welcome to the 149th episode of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we will be talking about it. Today, we are recording on September 25th, 2019. My name is Brad Galloway. I am the editor of GameCritics.com, and I am 50% of this here show with me. As always, Corey Motley podcast producer and co-host here at so video games he's also an occasional reviewer at gamecritics.com how you living Corey? doing all right brad i don't have any fun or quirky things to say at the start of this episode i'm just doing okay fair enough fair enough doing okay is a lot better than not doing okay so i will accept that answer and we shall roll ahead sir we've got plenty of games to talk about today but before we do that folks just a quick reminder that our banter section is present and accounted for today. It's going to be coming after the closing music. If you want to hear more from us that is not necessarily game-related, stay tuned after we say goodbye for some extra content. Uh, so let's just not waste any time. Let's get right down to it. Games chat. Um, today is a little bit of an unconventional day uh, because I have been playing a million games and Corey has not been playing a million games. I think you're just recently recovering from a pretty uh, severe syphilis infection. Is that correct? Ew, first of all, gross. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't deny it, so I'm going to roll with that. <laughs> Ew, no, I don't. Thank you. Okay, just kidding, just kidding. Corey has been up to his eyeballs in real life stuff busy be at work you can hear some of the office woes in the banter section i feel you bro i know how quickly that time goes but i'm carrying the load this week and we will talk about some games regardless um i'm gonna start off uh, i'm gonna break with tradition and i will start off even though i open up the segment um i have a couple of quick hits for are these all the switch yes they are actually all for the switch okay three quick hits for the switch and i'll go through them boom 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 um the first one is making a lot of waves uh, currently. It's called Sayonara Wild Hearts. Have you seen this, Corey? Or do you remember when the E3 trailer... I think we discussed it on the show uh, when we did the E3 show. Um, I don't remember specifically talking about this, but I have seen a lot of news about it um, lately. It's a Devolver game, right? Maybe. Is it? Because I'm, not, I'm not sure. I didn't do any research whatsoever because this is so video games, folks. It would be crazy for me to do any kind of factual research before we started recording. I have no idea. I honestly <laughs> couldn't tell you. I Maybe. It's possible. Um, it seems like it's kind of maybe their jam. What it is is it's... Okay, it's kind of like a music rhythm game, but it's not really <laughs> because I don't think the gameplay is any good and I oh, don't no. think you need rhythm to play this game. Uh, this game made a big splash in E3 because the trailer looked like fucking fire. Just, like, people on motorcycles and cool outfits. Like, the music was bumping and, like, like bright colors and just all this crazy stuff was happening. Like, very kinetic, very exciting. Um, so I bought the game. Uh, did not get a code. Bought this game myself with my real cash, hard-earned dollars, and started up. So that's really what it is. It's like you, you, you start off as, like, a, a girl who transforms into, like, a superhero for reasons, and then she's, like, riding a motorcycle in, like, all these weird abstract worlds, and then she fights these other people for reasons, and stuff happens. I honestly could not tell you what the story's about. I honestly just don't know. I don't understand what the story was. Maybe it's about relationships. Maybe it's about finding yourself. Maybe it's about nothing at all. I couldn't tell you. Um, but what it comes off like is a 90-minute music video and if you just watch it 
fucking awesome. Like, it looks amazing. Like, graphics are amazing. Colors, vibrant, full of energy, just bouncing crazy, swooping camera. Like, it looks awesome. Music is not exactly my taste, but still pretty good. Like, really kind of techno, a lot of pump and beats and stuff. It's fine. Like, it's, it's great music. Watching this thing is great. But actually playing it left me extremely cold. Uh, I, the, the controls are really mushy. And in a lot of sections, stuff is happening so fast. Like, you literally can't even keep up with it. Like, you have to die ten times and then memorize what's coming up. Because there's no way you can react to it fast enough to avoid, like, making the wrong turn. Or avoid the bullet that's coming at you or whatever. And it changes up all the time. And they don't... They're not really clear about what mode you're in when it changes. Because sometimes you're, like, a motorcycle on a road. And then it'll change and you're, like, flying. And then all of a sudden, instead of going left to right, you have all four directions, like, up, down, left, right. And then it'll switch, and then sometimes you're doing, like, a button mash real quick, and then by the time you figure out what you're supposed to do, like, they switched again. Like, it's just, it, it just changes really fast, it goes really fast. I mean, again, it looks phenomenal just to watch, and I actually think I would enjoy it better if I was just watching it. But actually playing it feels really loose, really sloppy, it doesn't feel like you need any kind of rhythm to play this game. And it doesn't really feel like you're even doing that much. Um, it kind of just seems like an excuse to show you some really badass visuals. And again, visuals are badass, but after I finished it, and again, like, it's like 90 minutes long. You finish it, you're done. There are things you can do to, like, extend the playtime if you want to get these, like, weird achievements or whatever. Um, I felt zero compulsion to do any of that stuff because it didn't control very good to me. I don't feel like I was really in control of my character. I don't feel like I wanted to memorize each level because it was just too fast to play based on reaction times. So overall, I mean, kind of disappointing because... If I had just watched it as a movie, I'd be like, oh, man, this is, like, amazing. Like, you know, people out there are, like, totally, like, smoke and get high. Watch this movie. You're going to have, like, the best time of your life. I mean, I wouldn't do that. I would just watch it sober. Still have a good time. Um, but as a game, not impressed at all. And honestly, um, if it hadn't been for the show, I would have forgotten it five minutes after I played it and just moved on to something else. So, like, the definition of empty calories. You know what I'm saying? Hmm, this sounds like... You're kind of like <clears throat> low-key talking shit, but this sounds also kind of incredibly up my alley in a weird way, and I'm not sure how to feel about this because I've been hearing good things about it, but I also trust your opinion on things, so I don't know about this one. I mean, not to be like that guy, but honestly, if you went to YouTube and watched a, a full playthrough of this game, that would be like a better experience than actually playing that game. And I, I, I like, I, you know, I hate to say that because, you know, I'm screwing the developer out of their cash or whatever, or out of their sale. But like, I, I don't think this game is like any kind of fun to play, but I think it is amazing to watch. So, I mean, that kind of puts me like over a barrel, right? Like, I don't want to recommend it because I don't think it's a good game, but I do think it's an amazing thing to view. So maybe just watch a little bit on YouTube. And honestly, that is, I think, the best way to take in this content is just to watch it. So maybe try that and see how you feel about it. Hmm. Well, lucky for the developers, I hate watching people play video games, so I don't know. Maybe I'll wait and see if it hits, like, a really good sale and then buy in. I don't know. I mean, maybe. And, like, regardless, it's, like, 90 minutes long. You don't need, like, any kind of skill to finish this game. Like, it almost plays itself, and so you're kind of just, like, going through the motions with it. Um, and it even lets you skip a few sections if you get to parts where you just can't react fast enough, which happened to me a few times. So if you get it for five bucks or something, go for it just for the style. But yeah, kind of disappointing. Hmm. Um, the next thing uh, I'm going to talk about also on the Switch and other systems as well is called Overland. This is a 
turn-based post-apocalyptic survival roguelike. So I'm sure you know why I was attracted to this game. All of my favorite genres in one. All of them, yes. This is like, <laughs> this is anti-Cory the game. Um, you play as a person who is on the east coast of, it might be America, it might not be America, I can't remember exactly. And you want to get to the west coast because aliens have invaded and they have taken over the the, the land and you need to just survive. And so basically, um, it's like kind of a top, not exactly a top down, kind of like a little isometric view. And you have to like get a car, find gas for your car, help survivors along the way. If you see a dog, rescue the dog and just kind of like drive um, from east to west. Uh, kind of the same premise of Death Road to Canada, which we talked about a while ago, except in that game, you started in Florida and you drove to Canada. I love Death Road to Canada. That's a really, really good game. Um, Overland might be a good game, but I honestly can't say because it is fucking balls hard. And like, <laughs> I have made fuck all progress on it. Like I got really, really frustrated. Um, zero tutorial whatsoever, which I think was bullshit because learning a game is fine, but like, at least teach me what the basic premise is. Like what is possible? What kind of mindset am I supposed to be in? You know, and like, and when you experiment with things, 99 times out of 100 if you experiment with something the next turn you're killed because you made a mistake and you didn't know what was going on and the monsters get you you get swarmed really quickly like basically no room for error and they just want you to try and die like over and over and over and over and over i i mean i like the look of this game i like the premise of this game roguelikes are my thing turn-based tactics are my thing i love post-apocalyptic i love all that stuff this is kind of like brad the game Except it is so fucking brutal hard. And you know I'm not shy when it comes to difficulty. I mean, I can I can hang with the toughest of them if I feel invested enough. But this is the kind of game where, like, you show up to play it and the developer's like, oh, what are you doing here? Like, oh, did you want to play our game? <laughs> okay, try it. Go ahead. And then, like, you fucking die and they're like, okay, whatever. Like, I don't feel any goodwill from the developer at all. Like, I feel like they couldn't care less whether I was there or not. It's almost like they're daring me to keep playing it because it is so hard, right? Like, like offensively hard. And I kind of want to keep going because it seems like it's going to be a good experience once I figure it out. But dude, like, I mean, I think there's like eight or ten levels. I've gotten about halfway through the second level and I just, I can't make it any further than that. So I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I feel like I should go like watch a Let's Play or something because I just, I'm not figuring out what to do to survive longer. And it just feels like this game was like really unfair and really unbalanced. Um, but then again, I only played it for like two hours. Maybe I, you know, maybe I would learn some tricks. Maybe I would pick up some things if I got further into it. But like, I'm just done with like the try and die, right? Like, I want a little bit of information, a little bit of like, like get me into your game, developers. Like, you know, I bought your game, paid it with cash. You know, I put money in your pockets. So like, do me a solid and like help me learn what it is that you're doing here. You know, like I just I feel like it's a very very unwelcoming experience that I found very frustrating. I didn't delete it off my Switch, but I definitely put it on the back burner because there's a lot of other things I could be playing, and I, I will probably come back to it, but I was looking forward to this game for like two years, dude. I saw this at PAX like two years ago, saw it again last year, was really excited for it. You know, it was on my list for quite a while, it was one to watch for, and now that I'm playing it, I'm like, this is way too fucking hard. Like, it's just very disappointing, so. Very, very, uh... I mean, I don't know. I'm not mad about it or anything, but I just, like... Uh, I just, like... I, getting the cold shoulder from a developer like that is a real big turnoff for me, especially these days when there's so much competition. 
So I don't really feel like I want to work that hard to get into their game when there's like a million other games that are like begging for you to play them. You know what I mean? Yeah, this <clears throat> always happens to you too. Whenever you, you, I feel like you always follow a game through its development cycle for like 400 years and then <laughs> you get really hyped up about it. And then whenever you finally play it, you're like, oh yeah, this game sucks. Like right now I'm thinking about, was it called Below on Xbox yes. One? That you like bought it for? It was like five years I was following that fucking game, dude. <laughs> oh my God. Totally. That's, that is a very good example. Good callback, dude. That is so true. Following below, I bought the Xbox for that game. Followed that game, totally like cheerleading for that game all the way. I played it like the first day. I thought it was terrible. Same thing with this. I've been following this game for like two years. Looked great. Totally cheerleading for this game. Excited to get it. Bought it full price because I was so excited. Wanted to support the developers. Uh, it might be terrible. I feel like it's terrible. I can't put my final judgment on it. But like, first impressions were terrible. That's for fucking sure. So, ah, disappointing, disappointing. Um, one more quick hit. This is, I mean, kind of a funny story, kind of a sad story, kind of an irritating story. Uh, I picked up a game called Scheming Through the Zombie Apocalypse. Um, <laughs> I mean, the title, t- right? The title itself is like really <laughs> attention getting. Um, comes to us from our friends at Ratalika. And I remember that because I have a real strong like love hate with them. And mo- it's mostly hate. Like they, they get these games that like catch my attention for whatever reason. And then when I play them, I inevitably hate all their games. Like, I don't, they're always too hard. They're always too rough. They're always unpolished. Um, they're, like, real hardcore indie, but, like, not in a good way. Like, kind of in a bad way. And, but I end up just coming back to the games. Like, something about the games they pick really get my attention, and it never works out. Um, I don't know if that's true about this one, but what happened was, I, so I bought Scheming Through the Zombie Apocalypse on Switch. Full price. Just paid, paid for it myself. Uh... And because I've learned to not ask for review codes from Radalika because nobody can ever get through their games. Like, we've requested games from them before. No one, people either hate their games or are, they are impossible to finish. And so we can never do a proper review of their games. So I have just stopped requesting codes from them because it's just a bad experience for everybody involved. Um, anyway, so I buy the game. I'm like, I'm like oh, okay, kind of looks like a point and click. The premise is that you're like some asshole in an apartment and you've got a good set of binoculars or something. And you're spotting places around your apartment that look like they have food or water or whatever. And you're like radioing people on the ground like, oh, yeah, if you go to the 7-Eleven, there's like some hot dogs and some soda. Go over there and get those and split those with me. Like, I tell you where they are. You go get them. And then we split the split the proceeds. Um, so he wants all the, the food and the goods, but doesn't want to risk himself. And so you're kind of like egging survivors on to go like take on these, you know, risky rescue runs and supply runs and stuff. Seems like a cool idea. Like, see, I'm kind of down with that. I like a good zombie game. Everybody knows that. And this seems kind of interesting. Slotted up for my Switch. Get in bed. And I turn the volume off because uh, my wife is sleeping by this point and I don't want to wake her up. And one of the options, there's like a couple options. It's like, you know, screen shake or something. Turn that off. Voiceovers, turn that off. I turn off a couple other things because I don't want uh, uh, my wife to get disturbed. And I just, you know, we all go through the options. We all do this. So I, I load the game up. First screen comes up. Character comes up. He says one thing. Uh, somebody's knocking at his door. He's in his apartment. Someone's knocking at his door. And they're like, hello. And so I push the button to advance the dialogue. Nothing happens. I'm like, huh. And maybe it's, you know, maybe they got fucked up controls. So I try like the other face buttons. Nothing happens. Nothing's happening on screen. Like it's just the person still at the door waiting for me to respond to them. Right. So I'm like, well, that's weird. Maybe is it a stick? Am I supposed to walk or something? That sticks don't work. I try the shoulder buttons, the bumpers, nothing works. I'm like, okay, 
look, bitch, I'm a fucking game reviewer. Like, I've played games for, like, like 38 years or whatever. Like, I should be able to figure this out. What's going on? I'm like, okay, maybe it's a touch. Maybe it's a touch game. I didn't realize it was. Maybe it's a touch game. So I start touching the screen. Nothing is happening. And I'm like, what is what is even going on with this? I can't even figure out what's going on. I can't advance the first screen of the first <laughs> level. I can't advance the dialogue, dude. So this is just blowing me away. I get really frustrated because this is the game that I was supposed to play in bed. I like, you know, made time and this was going to be what I was going to bring to the show. And I, I turn the whole thing off, back out of it. I just start over. I'm like, maybe it was a glitch or something. Start the whole game over, get back into it. Again, cannot advance past the very first line of dialogue in the very first screen. Can't do anything. None of Nothing's responding. So I jump on Twitter and I'm fucking pissed. I'm like fucking pissed because I paid for this. And I jump on and I tweet the developer and I tweet Radalika, the publisher. And I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with your game? What is going on? Like, it's totally non-responsive. This is a broken fucking piece of software. What the fuck are you guys doing? And they respond like in a while and like, oh, what's going on? What's happening? And I'm like, you tell me. I bought your goddamn game and it doesn't even work. It doesn't even function. And they're like, well, that's really weird. What's what's going on? What did you do? And I'm like, nothing. I bought your game, downloaded it. I'm in North America. I'm on the Switch playing it in handheld mode. I also tried it with the controllers detached because sometimes games will not respond depending on where the Joy-Cons are. I have some games where the Joy-Cons do not work with the game if they are detached from the console. So I tried it on, tried it off. None of those things work. And they're like, well, that's crazy. What, what, you know, settings do you have? And I'm like, well, I turned off all the shit. I turned off the, whatever it was, vibration or something. I turned off something, something. I turned off the voice. And they're like, oh, maybe that's it. I'm like, what? They're like, the voices, you know, maybe, maybe because you turned off the voices. I'm like, what are you talking about? They're like, I don't think, I don't think we ever turned off the voices in QA. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, it's an option on your menu. You're yeah. telling me you didn't test the options on your menu when you put this game through QA. He's like, just try it, just try it. I go back into the fucking menu. I turn the voices back on. Sure enough, fucking game works. It was something about the voiceover. You turn oh off the God. voiceover. The entire game shuts down and doesn't work. And I tweet him back and I'm like, you know, that looks like a really big fucking oversight in the QA process that you didn't test your fucking menu options. And they're like, yeah, it does look like a big oversight, doesn't it? And I'm like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it fucking does. So I, I I, had to walk away. I had to take a few minutes, cool down. Uh, I haven't played it since then. I will come back to it because it still looks fun. But like that to me completely blew me away that they didn't even QA test their basic functions of the game. Like the basic, I mean, we're not talking an edge case where like, you jump up and clip through the geometry at a certain level <laughs> and you had like the item in your menu. And I mean, none of that. It was like simply turn on the game, choose your options and start the game. That's what broke the game. So like, I don't know what these guys are doing with their QA or if they even have QA, but they need to up their fucking game. This was a disgrace, dude. Yeah. Cause I remember seeing you tweet them, but I didn't see any of the fallout from it. So that's interesting that that was, the whole problem and like not to mention like you know obviously that is kind of an issue i mean not it's it's more than just kind of an issue it is a definite issue but i mean you and i on the show and on game critics we always like to bring awareness to like um game settings for like people with disabilities or like people who are hard of hearing and whatnot and this seems like a major 
situation for that too like so i'm guessing the game is like completely unfriendly to anybody coming to it that might have some kind of disability as well too right i mean i'm not exactly sure because after i turned off the voices there were subtitles and i don't know why you would let the voices be turned off when you could simply turn down the volume i'm not sure if the subtitles go away at any point i didn't really like thoroughly test it because i mean like i said i couldn't even do jack shit in the game <laughs> for most of the time so i'll go back and check it out but this i mean it very well could have some ramifications for the, just the straight up accessibility of it beyond like simply being able to play the game but oh, it's so weird weird fucking thing to happen man so weird mm, well, that's really unfortunate but you can bet your ass that the next time they work on a game they'll be testing that stuff i mean i would hope so but man like i said i got a real love hate with Radalika, and i just I do not trust them as developers. I don't know what their story is. I don't know what their background is, but like real bad history with me on a personal level, just like with their games. And this was just like, oh man, the fucking disgusting sour cherry on top of a shit Sunday, dude. Like it was just ugh, the end all be all. But anyway, okay. <laughs> um, okay. So I will continue to dominate folks. You may be wondering why I am talking so much. Um, we did a little bit of a last minute script switch. Um, Corey's going to be bringing the heat with Hitman 2's new content it's a tropical island. What is Haven Island? Is that what it's called? Yeah, it's in. Uh, it takes place in the Maldives, and it's called Haven. It's like a kind of like an island, like um, almost like a rehab type facility. Yeah, it's got like a bunch of like a resort rehab kind of a thing. Yeah, we're gonna resort, be talking. That's yeah, a good word. Absolutely, we're gonna be talking all about this. Corey's gonna be dropping a bunch of knowledge. Um, we're gonna be doing a giant spoiler section on this. I probably should have said that at the beginning of the show. I apologize. <laughs> um, so we're gonna go into that at the very last thing. We weren't sure if we were gonna spoil it because um, I hadn't played it yet when we first talked about doing the show, and I wasn't sure I was gonna get to it. So I did manage to find the time. I did finish the content. So we're kind of doing a shuffle, last minute uh, impromptu shuffle. So we're going to bump Corey's segment to the end, and in the meantime, I'll just go through the games I had. So I apologize um, if you're tired of hearing me and you want to hear more from Corey, like I'm just talking way too much, um, but we, we flip things around and we're kind of just going to roll with it. So stay tuned um, for Corey's uh, shining moment with the Hitman stuff, and that will be a spoiler section, but in the meantime, I'll just continue to roll through with what I got. So there we go. Um, Corey, the next game I'm going to talk about, I'm going to spoil it up front. I love this game. I love this game. It is so... Good. It is called Mutazione. M-U-T-A-Z-I-O-N-E. Did you see me, like, gushing about it on Twitter last week? I don't think so. Oh, man. I love this game, and I don't know anybody that has played this game. This game has <laughs> already vanished off the radar, which is a shame, because this game is lovely. Um, I got offered a review code, so full disclosure, played this with a code from the publisher. Um, it is from a team in i want to say sweden or norway i always oh man again so video games tradition we get in trouble whenever we talk about that part of the world it could be norway could be sweden could be denmark i don't know where it's from it's all those like really attractive like blonde white people in that corner of the world i don't know what i don't know which country it's from sorry people can't keep y'all straight y'all look the same to me but uh again called mutazione it is a kind of a point and click game kind of a walking simulator uh, kind of just like an emotional indie sort of a jam. It is presented in 2D, hand-drawn style. And the art style is gorgeous. I love the art style so much. Like, it's just like flat colors, really chunky shapes. Yet they're still kind of expressive. And just like really, it looks like a like a wonderful page of like of a coloring book or something. 
it just looks great. Like, I love the visuals so much. That was what caught my attention right off the bat. I'm like, oh my god, this looks, like, tremendous. Uh, but the rest of it is just as good. You play a girl who gets a call from her grandfather who is dying. And he lives on an island. Uh, the island is called Mutazione. And in this world, the Earth has been struck by a comet, which caused... I mean, a kind of apocalyptic, but not really, because, like, people survived and civilization went on. But what happened was a side effect of the comet was that in isolated areas, um, things got really mutated. And so in normal mainland areas, like it's fine. It's just business as usual. You're just going to job, going to life, just things happening. But on this island where her grandfather lives, that's that's like a zone of mutation. So he chose to go live there and she needs to go visit him because he is dying. So you play this girl. Her name is Kai. and She gets on a boat, gets on the ferry, goes over to the island. Nobody really visits because it's weird and mutants and stuff. Uh, but she gets there and everybody that's there is like non-human. They are like humanoid or they look vaguely human or there's always something weird about them, but it's fine. Like they're just, they're just people that just have to be mutated. Like nobody's an enemy. There's no monsters. There's no combat or anything. It's just like, Hey, we live in this Island. We look strange. We're mutants, but we all just like have a life to lead and we're just trying to get by and that's just kind of the, the, the state of the world. Like, everybody just accepts these mutants, and they just are. So you go there, and it really is kind of like a small community simulator. I think there's only, like, ten characters or something. You, get, you just talk to them, see what they're doing. You kind of see how people intermingle in this small community. And it kind of reminded me a lot of places I've lived before. Have you ever lived in, like, a really small community, Corey? Um, not that I know of, no. Well, I've lived in a couple places where the community is really small, and that is a very interesting experience. Um, if you've lived in an urban place where there's like a million people, or if you live in a faraway place or something, I mean, maybe you don't have that experience, but um, when you live in a place where everybody basically knows everybody, and everybody knows what everybody else is doing, and everybody is like maybe not necessarily related to everybody, but like, you know, like there's ties, like somebody's uncle is someone else's best friend. And like, you know, everybody in that chain and then somebody slept around with somebody and then they broke up. And then, you know, your grandfather was, you know, third cousin to this person who cheated on somebody else. Like that kind of thing happens in small communities. And it's weird because it can feel very stifling. It can feel like there's no privacy at all. But on the other side of that, it can also be like a really supportive place. I mean, it depends. Like, you know, like, like, like people, there are good people, there are bad people, there's good communities, there's bad communities. Um, and so I think this game does a wonderful job of showing like both sides of what it's like to be like in a small town or a small community where everybody knows everybody, everybody knows everybody's shit, but everybody also cares about everybody. And even though that you fucked up and made some mistakes, everybody realizes like you have to get along because there's just no way to not get along with these people. And so I think it's really interesting to see the dynamics of something that I think maybe a lot of humans don't really do these days where it's like, you just have to really work hard to get along because you're going to see that person again. You're going to buy groceries from that person next week. You're going to get your haircut from that person tomorrow. Like you can't get away from some of these things. And so facing these issues and remembering that these people are people, that these people are your friends and that your family. And even when you disagree with them, you're still going to interact with them. There's not going to be some big blow up. And you're not going to move five states away. Like you're just still going to be there. Really interesting dynamic. Um, I feel like this game really nailed it very well. It was very true 
to the experiences that I've had in my life before. I felt like they really nailed it. And so I assume that these developers, at least some of them must be from small communities too, because that's not the kind of thing that you can just pull out of your ass. Like you got to have some experience with that before you can really understand what it's about. Uh, so I feel like they really nailed it. And on top of that story is really interesting. Um, just getting to know these people, really interesting going back and forth, but it's not just a walking sim because they were really smart as you go through the game talking to people, learning their relationships, just kind of getting the lay of the land. There's also a section where, like, I don't want to spoil this, but you get, like, you start to do some gardening, and gardening becomes important, and it's not crafting, it's not collecting anything. Like, it's very, it's very like, low-key, low-maintenance. But there's a time when the game gets away from the talk, and they just want you to do this gardening. And it's fun. I think the gardening's really fun. It's very simple. And it also does a great job of changing the pace of the game. So instead of just, like, nine hours of dialogue it's like you know an hour of dialogue and then you could do gardening for a while change it up and by the time you get tired of the gardening you go back and do some more talking and then by the time you're talked out you come back to the gardening and then it's a really good balance and it shows how i think the best walking simulators let you do something else besides walk they really kind of think that there's got to be some other content there and i think that mutazione really nails that part well um a lot of the quality of life features are really good they clearly highlight the difference between talking to somebody to advance the story and talking to somebody just because you want to talk to them more. So if you want to just like crit path and get through it as fast as you can, you can very easily tell who you need to talk to and you can ignore conversations that are not relevant to the story. I talked to everybody. I talked as much as I could because I really enjoyed it, but I appreciate they, they put that in there. Um, and a lot of the, you know, there's not a lot of stopping points. There's not a lot of places where you need to search for anything. Like they just want to keep it moving they want you to just be in the community, experience the game, experience the people. And by the time you get to the end of it, like just a wonderful story has been told. And I really love these characters. I loved being on the island. I thought it was just great. Like everything about it was just great. I mean, I kind of felt like this game was like a gift. Like it was just a really wonderful little package that not anybody could have made. Like not anybody could have made this game. Like where it came from, I don't know exactly, but there's something behind it. And I just really appreciate it. Um, I had a wonderful time with it. I really strongly recommend it. It only came out, I think, maybe two, three weeks ago. And I feel like it is already 100% vanished from the gamosphere. No one's talking about it. No one's mentioning it. I don't know anybody else that's even played it. And I tried my best to pimp it on Twitter for like a week or two. Um, <laughs> I mean, a couple of people were interested, but like I haven't seen anybody talk about it, which is a shame, a shame, because this game is wonderful, dude. It's wonderful. Um, I mean... <sighs> The as you're talking about this game, the only thing I can think about is that, like, mutazione sure is a strange way to pronounce Animal Crossing. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like grown-up Animal Crossing a little bit, like less grindy, like less busy work, but kind of the same. Yeah, I mean, if if Animal Crossing was filled with characters that you actually wanted to talk to, and there was like real life in it, I mean, kind of a little bit. I mean, it especially kicked in whenever you were talking about, like, the gardening thing. When you were like, oh, it takes a turn into gardening. I was like, all right, now where's the fishing mini game? And like, <laughs> where's the furniture buying and decorating your house? I mean, don't get me wrong. This game does sound pretty good. And it sounds, like, surprisingly up my alley coming from you because you and I tend to play pretty different games. Um, but it does sound a little bit like it's lending itself to, like, a animal crossing slash stardew valley maybe with just like an actual story threaded in rather than just like busy work for the whole game i mean it kind of is but i want to i want it's definitely not that in depth with the gardening <laughs> the gardening is very low-key 
super easy. Um, the AI is really good. Like it's it's it's. I hesitate to even call it gardening, even though that's what it is, because it kind of brings to mind harvest, harvest moon, Stardew Valley. Like you're gonna be like tilling the soil. No, no, you're not doing none of that stuff. Like it's just like you have a little garden, and they're like just plant. I'm, I'm trying to avoid spoiling this because it's kind of a cool <laughs> twist in the game. But trust me, like, if you're afraid of grinding, don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid of, you know, if you don't like farming sims, don't worry about that. That's not that's not the point of the game. That's just it's just a thing you do just to break up the conversations. It's very fun. It's very light. It's very quick. So, um, yes, don't be worried about the gardening. It's not that in-depth. But, man, I got I love this game so much, dude. I love this game. It's going to, I mean, for sure be on my top ten this year. And I just, I, I feel sad because nobody else even knows it exists, dude. It's breaking my fucking heart, man. Is this like the Candleman of 2019? It, I mean, yeah, it didn't emotionally wreck me the way the Candleman did, but <laughs> yeah, kind of. It's kind of like this thing that we that we find and we think is wonderful, and like literally nobody else on God's green earth even knows it fucking exists. It's like it's crazy. Would I like this game? <sighs> Would you like this game? Mm, I I, <laughs> I want to say yes, but at the same time, I'm not. I'm not convinced. Like, I I think that if you clicked with the story that you would like it. But if you didn't click with the story, I could see you thinking it was, like, totally boring and tedious. So I clicked with the character. I clicked with the story. I clicked with the community that they were trying to share with me. If you don't, there's nothing else here for you. So I 50-50 on this, dude. I don't know. I, well, I couldn't say with confidence. Hmm. This seems like the kind of game, especially because it is, it seems to have come out, it's small, it's indie, and if nobody's playing it, maybe it's one of those games that'll hit, like, a really steep sale pretty soon, and if it goes on sale deep enough, it sounds worth my time, but not worth spending a lot of money on, so I'll keep an eye on it. Yeah, keep an eye. I think at full price, I want to say it's something like 12 or $15, so it's not crazy, and if you can get it for like eight or five, definitely go for it. I think even if you don't like it, I think that you will appreciate like from the choices that it makes and the, the writing and just the art style too. I think it's just love. like the art itself is just so good. So good. Uh, but yeah, if you, if you can see it on sale, grab it for sure. And let me know what you think. I'm, I, I hesitate to strongly recommend it to you. I feel like uh, maybe, but yeah, grab it on sale. All right. I'll keep an eye on it. All right. Cool. 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 Folks, if you're listening, please go go, go get that game. Go try that game. <laughs> if you love uh, the stuff we talk about, if you love this show, you got to play this game. Mutazioni is wonderful. Um, one more game really quickly, and then we are going to get to the Hitman stuff. Uh, I was... Uh, Greedfall. Greedfall is what I'm talking about right now. I was provided a code by the developer, full disclosure, uh, to talk about it on this very show. So that is what I'm doing now. Have you heard of Greedfall, Corey? I have not heard of this. Okay. It is coming from a development house in France called Spiders. Have you ever heard of Spiders? Um, not in the game development sense. Okay. Uh, they have had a string of games which I I don't even know how to even describe them. They're not B-tier games. They're like C-tier games or even D-tier games sometimes. Uh, and they are really janky, really rough, but they always have like a really good premise or like a really good idea. Like the people who are coming up with ideas in the spider studio on point. Like I love all their ideas. They sell me every single time. And I think I've played all their games, but like technically production wise, really rough, like really rough. They really needed to like up their game, like super jank, super broken, super unbalanced, just like, ah, oh, just hard to play, right? Like really hard to play. I think 
one of the games, oh man, I want to say like of Orcs and Men was like one of their earlier games. I think that was Spiders. And that's a perfect example of like a great idea, super janky to play. Um, but like all their games are like that. So this is like their next turn up at bat. And they are swinging for the fences with this one. Um, I don't know what happened. But they definitely hired some people or got some funding or something. But like this is the best game they've ever made in terms of production. Like the graphics are better than they've ever been. Control and handling better than it's ever been. World design better than it's ever been. Like this is technically the best game they've ever made and they still have a cool idea so it seems like so far they've finally like maybe broken out of their little like i don't know like zone of death that they were in where they were just like not getting success and i think they finally are going to get a hit with this one it's about a group of people who are i don't know like kind of like english aristocrats or something but it's not on earth like these are not actual english people uh, but it looks very much like that kind of period, like Victorian England or something like that. And they're going to go to this island that they are colonizing. Um, and so that's part of the game. Like, part of the game is actually, like, colonizing. And a lot of people were discussing this on Twitter, um, you know, about the, the politics of real-life colonization. How do you handle that in a game? What light is it portrayed in? Um, I don't know. I can't tell you because I haven't played enough. But that is one of the central themes of this game is, like, white people go into an island where the people are not white and, like, taken over. Like, that's one thing that happens in this game. I don't know if they handle it well or what, but just heads up on that. Um, but basically, it handles kind of like a Witcher or, like, a Mass Effect sort of a thing where you are the main character. Uh, you can create your own character. And then you accumulate friends as you go. Um, and it's kind of like you walk around this town, talk to people. They give you, like, a bunch of side quests. You have third-person real-time combat, which actually feels pretty good to me. Um, each weapon has a couple different attacks and you just like fight wherever you are. If people start to fight with you, you just start right there. Like there's no separate screen or anything. So it's like real time in the environment, which is pretty sophisticated and neat. I like that. Um, art style, really cool environment, really detailed, but I can't say a lot about the story because I started the game, took a while to do my character, got into the game and I'm like, Oh, this is really cool. Like I'm wandering this city and it's like kind of big. And so I took some time walked up and down the alleyways, talked to people. There's not really much to say with the, the NPCs, but there's a lot to see. Like, there's stuff to find. There's, like, little nooks and crannies. There's little doors and ladders and stuff. And so I was looking all around, and I'm like, you know, just, just spending some time there. Um, they give you a couple side quests before you actually go to the island that you were colonizing. So I'm like, okay, well, this seems kind of neat. I'm going to try to spend some time on this. So I start doing side quests, and I literally spent, like, the last, like, five or six hours just doing side quests before I even got on the boat to begin the game. So, like, that kind of gives you an idea of, like, how big it is. Like, I haven't even started the game proper yet. Like, you know, like, you just begin, and then I'm, like, finding a missing dude, um, finding out what happened to, like, this cabin boy on the ship. I'm, like, trying to smuggle some goods onto this boat, and I'm doing all these things. And it's, like, pretty cool. Like, it's pretty cool. There's, It's one of those games where there's, like three different ways to solve any quest and it just depends on how your character is spec like there's always like a stealth way there's a combat way there's like a coercion or like you know charm sort of a way sometimes there's extra ways and so depending on how your character is like it's really free form and open so i appreciate that it took me a little while to kind of come to grips with it but once i figured out what it was doing i'm like okay this is fine this is good um all the characters are i mean it's okay so far the world building is pretty good they've got a earth-like world but not exactly some of the cultural norms are different 
Um, so that's another thing that's got me kind of curious about how they're going to handle the colonization part. But I mean, so far it seems very much like kind of like a lower rank Witcher or like Mass Effect without the spaceships, which is good. Like, I feel like it's cool. I like what I'm seeing so far. Uh, um, I, I can't say any more about it because I've just literally been spending all my time doing side quests in the beginning town before I even get on the boat. And the whole point of the game is to get on the fucking boat and go to the goddamn <laughs> island and colonize the island. So I haven't even gotten to that part yet. But I guess that kind of tells you how much I was liking it because I was happy to do these side quests and to delay starting the game. So um, I, I don't have any more to say about it now. I'm going to probably try to pick away at it a little bit. But this seems like a big game. And I got to be honest, dude, I'm not really in the headspace to take on like a big game right now because... It's fourth quarter. It's silly season. There's going to be so many games coming out for fourth quarter. Like, I can't afford to get tied up in one big thing that's going to suck up all my time. So I'm probably going to put it on hold, but I'm definitely going to come back to it because I like what they're doing. It looks good. And this, so far, is the best Spiders has ever done. So I really want to see what they're doing with it. And I like these kind of games. I like these kind of games. I like the Witcher-style games. I like the Mass Effect-style games. Uh, I'm kind of down with this. So I think it's a thumbs up so far. But again, very early, very tentative. Um... I barely scratched the surface of this game, but I like what I've seen so far. Well, okay, so my big, my big, 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 big old big question for you is it sounds oddly similar to a game that you brought up recently that you have not updated us on in a little while, Elex. How does it compare to that? Because they sound oddly similar to me. Um, they are on a very high level view fairly similar but elex is way more Eurojank, and by that i mean <laughs> they're willing to take risks with how the character interacts with the environment like it's possible to do like weird jumps where like you're not supposed to make that jump or the combat is like way sketchier and it doesn't quite hang together but they're trying a lot of like wilder ideas i mean they're kind of similar in tone in general but like elex feels way looser and more like anything can happen or like maybe it's easier to like game the system by maybe cheesing an enemy by getting him trapped in geometry or maybe um, shortcutting something and finding a weapon that you're not supposed to have and then coming back and like blowing through quests that you're not supposed to finish. Like that feels possible in Elex. And I love Elex, by the way. I got to come back to it. I'm like three quarters of the way through the game. Still love it. I'm still going to come back and finish it. Um, Greedfall feels more like you can't really game the system. Like, you're going to have to go through all the quests. Like, you can't shortcut anything. They want you to see these story beats. They want you to engage in the systems in the proper way. So, from a 10,000-foot view, pretty similar. But Elix is, like, really experimental, really janky, really... Um, feels like it's barely holding together with, like, spit and bailing wire. But, like, with uh, Greedfall, it's more like, I'm going to do these story beats. I can choose to not do the optional story beats, but I'm still going to do the main story beats, and there's no getting around that. And then when I get to the combat, I will more likely than not be leveled up enough for the combat because I've already seen the story beats and I've gotten the experience from those. So it feels like a more measured, more prescriptive sort of experience so far. Uh, but that could really change. Like I say, I haven't gotten to the main island yet. Who knows, man? Like, it could totally change once I get there. But so far, Greedfall feels more like you're going to do this the way we want you to do it. Elex feels more like we made this thing try to do whatever you can get away with <laughs> that does that makes perfect sense to me whenever you put it like that i was just curious because you like i don't know it's hard enough to tackle one 
big game like this at a time. So I was wondering more or less how Elex was going for you because you haven't talked about it in a little while and I didn't know if you gave up on it and this kind of replaced it or if this is making you want to go back to play it or, you know, what the deal was with that. I love Elex, but I had to put it on hold because that is, again, a huge game. And I loved it. Like, I wanted to do literally everything in Elex. It's really, really good. But with fourth quarter, like I just said, like, I just got too busy. Like, I could not afford to be tied up in a giant game. Um, so I just put it on a pause. I saved it where I was. I'm going to come back and totally finish it. But I just haven't played it because I just can't afford to sink all my time into it. Um, so for fourth quarter, like, you know, like any good video game reviewer is going to be dipping into a bunch of games. We're going to try to cover as much as we can. PR ramps up to a crazy degree. Everybody wants you to cover all their games. Everybody wants all your time. And there's just literally not enough hours in the day. So I'm like, okay, so Elex, pause. I never finished um, Witcher Tales, which I talked about a while ago, which I loved. It's another amazing game. But again, it's like a big game. And I couldn't afford to be tied up in that. Uh, Greedfall, I kind of like it so far. Like, I want to play some more. But again, big game. I can't afford to be tied up right now. Like, I got to keep my options open. I got to be bouncing from game to game because... If I get to the end of Silly Season and I've only played one or two games, that's a fail. That's a hard fail for the website. <laughs> so I'm going to put all these things on pause. I'm racking up like really good games that are really big that I don't have time to play, but I will come back to them. All right, Roger that. All right, now, folks, uh, sorry for dominating the podcast so far. I am going to step aside. Uh, the newest and apparently the last DLC for Hitman 2 just came out yesterday, as of the recording. And it's called, what, Haven Island. Uh, it is a tropical resort slash uh, rehab center slash, you know, whatever, whatever. Jet ski zone, <laughs> tropical island, beach, all that kind of stuff. Just came out yesterday. Corey has played it. I have played it. And we are about to discuss the new content. But this is your full-on spoiler warning. We're going to talk about everything about this content from A to Z, start to finish, all the different ways we finished it, all the weird things that happened, all the funny things that happened. So if you have not played this Haven Island content yet and you want to, please stop the podcast now. You can leave and come back later after you've played it. Uh, or, you know, you can listen banner too if you want to do that. If you don't care, then please go ahead and keep listening. But we are about to spoil everything about Hitman 2's new DLC, Haven Island, starting now. Okay, spoiler warning is up. Corey Motley, I turn the reins over to you. Haven Island, new tropical content for Hitman. Maybe even the last content for Hitman 2. Tell us all about it. All right, so you were 100% not wrong in your explanation of what's going on so far. So without spoiling anything from the mission before this, um, one of the mission objectives for Agent 47 was to steal a few, like, just like some data. I won't specify how, but um, to steal some data on, like, these this kind of, like, network of people. Um, trying to keep things light here before we dive into the spoilers on this uh, mission. Um and it turns out that the data that he stole leads to this island. It is uh, in the Maldives. It's at this resort called Haven. And it's kind of like a place where people who need to disappear off the grid go. Um, it's sort of a vacation spot. It looks a little rehabby. It looks very much like a resort. There's plenty of stuff going on. Um, but it's kind of for, like, the richest and famousest people out there who, you know, might have sketchy pasts who need to get out of whatever they're doing and get off the grid for a little while. Um, and it turns out that not only is this sort of like a 
sketchy, you know, resort island, of course, there's some kind of like dark, you know, terrorist network thing going on because, of course, there's some dark terrorist network thing going on because it's a Hitman game after all. So the kind of like underbelly of this uh, resort uh, island is that they're actually using it to sort of like remap people's identities, almost like a witness protection style thing. Um, So, you know, the clock is kind of ticking for 47 to get there and to kill. There's three targets to kill these three targets of people who uh, live and work there in order to get some data about whoever's like trying to get their sort of like uh, identity rewritten before they move on to some sort of, I don't know, like mission or I don't really know. Like, and, and in true Hitman fashion, like I, I said this in my review whenever I reviewed Hitman 2 and I stand by it that the story in Hitman games are never interesting. Uh, my favorite Hitman story was probably Hitman Contracts because it was basically just like a series of like lucid dreams of remembering old missions and um and whenever they try to inject a lot of story in it it just comes off as really kind of bad like b-movie like oh generic bad guy is doing generic bad thing and we have to go stop generic bad guy from generic bad thing you know it's just like it's very very rote and not interesting and this does not change any of that however the gameplay is what is good and that's what we're here to talk about is the good gameplay so Hitman uh, Agent 47 is unleashed on this island, and in true Hitman fashion, um, the island is, I would classify it as big, but it's not too big. Like, this is actually a pretty small level in comparison to a lot of the other stuff that's out there, because you have a level like Mumbai in Hitman 2 that's like multiple city blocks, like a skyscraper, multiple buildings to go into, like an under ground sort of like sewer network canal networks a train station you know there's a lot of stuff going on and there's a lot of missions that are like that throughout the hitman series but i was a little bit surprised at how small the uh the haven level is because it is a resort town or like little island thing but it only has a handful of like sections to it you know there's like the entrance area there's like a few huts that people stay in that are kind of like hotel type like little um just sort of like hut things that have like a bedroom and a bathroom and a living room in them there's a few of those there's like a restaurant and a bar area there's like a spa there's a gym and there's the private villa in the back that houses one of the targets and that's sort of like the big off-limits area and there's not really a whole lot more than that which was a little bit surprising and the other surprising thing is that this is not a very vertical level like a lot of hitman stages have like you go into a building and it has like six floors or ten floors or you know a second and a first and second floor and then like this underground network underneath it but this level doesn't have a whole lot of that it's pretty flat and it's not very big which in my review for hitman 2 i had mentioned that I wish that this game would have had like one or two more small levels because the opening stage, which is the tutorial and the Whittleton Creek neighborhood area are the only like small levels in the game and everything else is pretty huge. And it kind of, I feel like a, like an asshole because I'm going to kind of go back on what I said here. Like I appreciate that this level is a little bit smaller, but I don't like that it's the last level and that it's smaller. Like, I kind of wish that the, that it would have been, like, you know, big, small, big, small, big, small, and not, you know, big, small, big, 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 small. So it feels a little uneven to me. 
Um, but beside that point, I mean, this mission is, I thought it was pretty good. I actually found it pretty challenging in certain points because it, and you know, there are certain things that happen in Hitman levels where you're just not quite sure how they're going to play out. And I would always like save my game before I did them. Um, and then, you know, see what happens. And I'm a little ashamed to say that even though I didn't, I made it through this level without a bunch of like alarms going off or without murdering a bunch of people, um, I still only got two out of five stars, which makes me a little bit sad because. Oh, I, shit. What? Yeah. I, I got am, three stars, bitch. I well, ranked you this time. What? Well, well, let me let me oh tell you God. what happened here. Let's <laughs> let's talk about what happened. So <laughs> that is a first for this podcast. You have you've have outscored me on every hitman level since the beginning of time. <laughs> and I finally got better than you on one. I cannot believe it. Well, I, when we when we when I give you the floor in a minute here, I'll be interested to see how you completed it because let me tell you how mine went specifically. So, and just to recap, whenever I play Hitman levels, the first two or three times when I play through them, I turn off all the notifications, all the mission stories, all the challenge notifications. I just go in and play it purely. I walk around, I observe everything, I listen to conversations because sometimes it's pretty obvious whenever you you overhear a conversation that it might be leading toward like a mission story or some kind of event and I like to be super like vanilla and pure on those for the first a few times that I played through a level and I only played through it once last night. It took me about an hour and a half and I played through, um, you start at the entrance, of course, you're kind of directed toward the front desk, you pick up your key for your little villa hut thing you go in there and there's a woman, one of the targets on the island is this like, she's like a, I think they call her like a confidence expert or something. And she's sort of there to like help people sort of like reconfigure their personalities and their psyche for, I guess, like their new identities or whatever. She has a note on the bed and it tell she tells you to call her. So obviously, you know, this is sort of like a really big jumping off point for what seems like a mission story. So you call her from the phone, you go and you meet her at the restaurant and she tells you that, somebody that she has a usb drive on the island and that somebody stole it and she thinks that they have it in the private villa in the back that houses uh, a second of the third targets so you're actually accepting a job from one of the targets to go steal something that's been stashed in the private house of one of the other targets and she doesn't tell you to kill anybody she just wants you to get the stick back so she hires you i agreed to do the job because it seemed like a mission story so i let her leave I go to the gym because the third target is like this really douchey, like software CEO, gym bro kid who's like, I don't know, they kind of present him as this like guy who's like always working out, but he's also like super smart. So I go to the gym and I'm like, okay, well, if he's always working out, maybe there's something I can do in the gym to like kill him or to get, you know, to follow him or see what's going on. So I go to the gym. There's a personal trainer at the gym, and I think to myself, like, okay, I can probably steal, find a personal trainer outfit, or I can, like, knock this guy out, I can take his clothes, and then maybe I can do some kind of, like, personal training session with the the dude bro dude. So there's a little information booth right in the middle of the gym that, like, the receptionist kind of comes into when he goes out of for a few minutes and he comes back to... And there's like a towel shoot thing that leads to a laundry room on the level underneath. So I think to myself, okay, I'm going to try to find a way to knock out the personal trainer and then like dump him down this uh, laundry chute because it's like towels and stuff down there. Like I think he'll fall and be safe because I don't want to kill anybody that I don't have to. So I lure the personal trainer into this little hut thing while the receptionist is away 
I knock him out. I dump him over the railing down to the laundry room underneath, and he dies immediately, which is not <laughs> no. what I was hoping would happen. <clears throat> but instead of, you know, saving and reloading, I just kind of went with it, and I played by the seat of my pants. And so I, I go down to the laundry room. I steal his outfit. I stash his dead body in, like, a closet or something down there. And then I go back up, and... Um, there's like a little personal training desk you can go to, which is kind of funny. You can like post yourself up at it and people will come up and they'll ask you for like workout tips and you can go tell them to do different exercises, which I thought was pretty hilarious. And there's a challenge linked to it. That's a really like low stakes challenge. And then true to what I thought would happen, the gym bro dude comes in and you can take a station at the bench press machine. And this is a major callback to the a new... No, it's not a new life. There's a level in Hitman Blood Money that that is similar to this, where you're in a rehab center and somebody's bench pressing and you can drop the bar on them. And basically the exact same thing happens here. So he goes to bench press. You spot him, but you can basically push the bar down and kill him. My stupid ass, um, his bodyguard, because of course he has a bodyguard, was standing right there. And I was hoping that I could kill him in front of the bodyguard and the bodyguard wouldn't really be any the wiser. Like he would just see that he dropped the bar and maybe hope that I was like trying to help him, but didn't. And so I push the bar down on his neck. The security guard immediately becomes alerted to me and starts shooting at me. So I reload my save because I saved just before that. And the funny thing is, <coughs> you can go to the workout station and while the gym bro dude is working out, you can actually deliver a workout tip to the bodyguard because he's standing close enough to the station to take your orders for some stupid reason. So I stand at the station, I look at the bodyguard and I tell him to go meditate because the meditation room is protected by a curtain, which means he can't see into the gym. So he goes to meditate. Um, the guy, the gym bro gets down on the bench press machine. I kill him and I run away immediately just to make it look like an accident. And it worked. So I think they find his dead body, but nobody noticed what happened because there's no cameras. I was able to get away with it. I go put on my normal clothes and then I start to infiltrate the private villa because I'm I'm off to find the USB stick. So I go to the private villa and I do a lot of exploring. I steal a guy's security outfit, which gets me into most areas unscathed. And I cannot find this USB drive to save my life. And eventually I find a guard room that has a security surveillance monitor on it. And you can watch the surveillance tapes and you see a woman around kind of like sneaking around the villa from the surveillance tapes that were taken earlier so i see her go into a room that i don't recognize and i'm trying to figure out where this room is and it turns out that there's like a secret room that's sort of like off the branch of one of like the tv and aquarium rooms on the in the uh mansion you have to pull a book in order to unlock the secret door. But if you're wearing the wrong outfit, there's a security guard right there. There's a maid on the other side of you. They'll both be alerted because I tried to open it. They, the guy came after me and started shooting at me. So that didn't work. So what I ended up doing was the guy, the target who's walking around the villa, who, by the way, is extremely gross. He's like <laughs> this kind of like overweight, like diseased. He has these like sores all over his body, just like very like good design, like exceptional character design, um, but in kind of like a repulsive way. Um, he sometimes goes into this home theater room because he's sick and he, like, is having headaches or something. And he sits down and there's this, like, reddish, like, home theater video thing playing. And I think he thinks it's supposed to, like, 
cure his headache. So every once in a while he'll go sit in it. He has a bodyguard that's with him. There's a security guard that's in the room. So I wait for them both to leave. I turn off the projector. The security guard that's always in that room goes to try to figure out what's going on with the projector. I choke him out. I take him in the next room. I stash his body. I go back into the room. I wait for him and his bodyguard to come in. The bodyguard has a different outfit than the, than the guard, than the other guards in the station. So I wait for him to sit down, and something weird that happens is he comes in, he sits down, the bodyguard is right next to him. I turn off the projector thinking, okay, the bodyguard is going to come turn it on. I turn off the projector while the target and the bodyguard are in the room, and they don't move a muscle. Like, it doesn't trigger anything, which I thought was a little bit strange. Like, it seemed almost buggy to me. But the good news is that the target gets up and he leaves at a certain point because he's on, like, a movement cycle like everybody is in Hitman. And he leaves with just long enough of a gap before the bodyguard leaves the room for me to choke the bodyguard out in the room without anybody realizing it. So I choke him out. I stash him in a locker in the next room. I take his, like, high-grade super bodyguard outfit. Um, I go... I'm walking around the station. I eventually find an entrance. I go into the security room where you have to pull the book because he has the outfit where nobody will suspect if you pull the book and go into the secret room. Thank God, because I don't know how else I would have gotten in there. Um, I go in there. There's another security surveillance tape, but it doesn't really show anything. So I don't know if I missed something or what, but I didn't see anything on it. There's a safe in there. I open the safe and it's the safe that the woman from the older security tape was using. She did not stash the USB stick in there. She stole it from the safe. So I was pissed because I thought it was going to be in there and it was not in there. There's another entrance in that secret room that goes down to this, like, amazing server farm that I was super-duper not expecting in this game. Like, I thought it was all surface-level resort, all surface-level villas, but of course, like any true Hitman stage, be it as small as it is, it has a little trick up its sleeve. So you go down these stairs into this really cool, like, technologically advanced area that has all these servers, and there's this cool, like squid projection thing above the servers. It's just like really meticulous design. And I find the woman down there who I recognize from the surveillance tape and she's on the phone with the target who hired me telling her, hey, I have this stick down here. Where do you want to meet? So I go into the locker room where she told her that she had the this, this stick stashed. There's a guard in there. I wait for her to leave the locker room. I throw a crowbar into the guard's face and I stash his body in the locker. I steal the USB stick. She comes back in there, immediately starts freaking out because the USB stick is gone and she thinks she's fucked up. In the midst of her panic attack, I choke her out and put her in the same locker that I put the guard in. So I have the USB stick. I go back to the target, the the female target who hired me to get the USB stick, she takes me to this, like, private spa room where I give her the USB sticks back, and then she starts complaining about the other target with the sores in the mansion, apparently, is her, like, boyfriend or husband or something. She's talking about how their relationship has kind of been, like, not great lately, and he's, like, spying on her, and he thinks that she thinks that he hired the person to steal the USB stick, In the midst of her discussing this, telling her sob story, I push her over the rail and she dies in the water and she drowns and that's it. So last target left is the guy in the villa with the sores. And I realized that in in the midst of him sort of 
making his rounds in the mansion, there's a room that he keeps going back to that has this jacuzzi in it. There's a woman trying to fix the jacuzzi, and he goes in there, and he's like, oh, it isn't fixed yet. Like, please hurry up. He leaves the room. I choke her out. I stash her body. I fix the jacuzzi for him. He gets in the jacuzzi. I go in there. I push his face under the water. I drown him. And then I, at a certain point, I think had stolen a key to, like, his private, like, water plane on his grounds. I go to the water plane. I take off. Boom. Mission over. Two stars. An hour and a half. I leveled up six out of 20 levels from that run. And that was that. Ah, oh, man. Quite an adventure. And again, kind <laughs> of showing how... We- we kind of ended up doing the same things, but kind of for different reasons and in different ways. Um, I think probably part of that is just because the level, like you said, is kind of smaller. There was fewer story opportunities. I think there was only like five story opportunities in this level, something like that. And usually there's like a bunch. There's like 10 or 15 sometimes. I remember there being a lot in some of the bigger levels. So it kind of makes sense that we would kind of do some of the same things. Um, but to remind, to remind listeners... Uh, Corey and I are pretty much opposite when we come to Hitman. We both love it, but we both do different things. I am totally the ignore everything. Um, not necessarily run and gun, but like just do whatever I can do, like sneak in. I don't care about killing extra people. Like I just want to get to the target, like look for any opportunity, you know, just like just by the seat of my pants, kind of play it. Like that is my favorite way to play Hitman levels. And since this was, you know, like they're saying the last DLC, I'm like, well, I've been really ignoring the story missions lately, and I know they put a lot of time and effort into those. So I'm going to try to follow them this time around just because that's not what I usually do. So I'll just change it up a little bit and do something different. So um, I decided to just do things that made sense and follow the stories if it made sense. So I get to the island. I found the note in your bungalow that says, hey, I want you to talk to me from the lady, your lady target. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, cool. Like she wants to talk to me for some reason. Uh, That'll get me in a room alone with her at some point that that seems like a very logical thing that I would do. So I'll do that. And then I was really kind of, I mean, honestly, I was really kind of put off by what she tells you to do. Like she tells you to, Hey, I know you're a thief and you're here to, to get rid of your identity. But while you're here, steal this thing for me. I'm like, ah, man, this feels like I, not the direction I wanted it to go. Like I wanted it to go like in a different direction. Um, and so it, from a design perspective, it seemed a little weird to me that she sent you to the target, which, I mean, your your other target in this place, and you're supposed to steal a thing that she wants, but then it's also a thing that he wants, and then she's also hiring a person in that facility to steal it for her. So she's got, like, multiple people trying to steal the thing back, and it just felt kind of messy, and it didn't feel as cool or as interesting as I was hoping it was going to be. Um, so as soon as I started doing that story opportunity of retrieving the USB stick... I kind of regretted it because I was like, oh, this isn't really fun. This isn't how I like to play Hitman. I thought this story would be cooler and it's not as cool as I would want it to be. So I got kind of bummed out about that. And I I appreciate they put those in there. I'm glad they put them in there. Like, I want to be clear. I'm glad those story mission things exist because I think that's a really good way to learn how to play Hitman. Like, if you've never played Hitman and you don't know what it's about, those things are a lifesaver because you don't know what's possible. You don't know how you're supposed to think. You don't know where you're supposed to go or what to do. And if you follow those, it's totally like step-by-step easy mode. Like it tells you exactly what to do. If you have the notifications turned on, if you have the notifications turned off, it's significantly more challenging um, the way you played it, Corey. Uh, But if you leave all the notifications on, like it's really just like, hey, we're throwing you a bone. This is totally a way you can kill the opponent without ever getting spotted. Just follow the instructions step-by-step. 
I just didn't like that part of it. I just I didn't think it was cool that they sent you to the other target and then that target um, had the same goal. Because what happened was I start following the, the steps. I get inside the mansion and I didn't I had no idea that server farm was below the the house. I, I don't know how long it would have taken me to find that. It would have taken me probably a lot longer than it did to find it. And so I felt a little bit like I was cheating because they told me to go down there, which I, I feel like I shouldn't really have known to go down there. Um, I appreciate that you were watching the surveillance footage and I watched it, but it didn't mean anything to me. Like I didn't recognize the lady and I didn't recognize where the room was. And I mean, I guess that was sort of the clue that was supposed to tell you what to do, but it, it wasn't enough of a clue for me. So if it wasn't for the prompts, I don't think I would have been able to find the server room. I mean, eventually I would have found it, but it would have taken me a while. So I get down there. Hold um, on. How, how did you get down there specifically? Um, how did I get down there specifically? I, they tell you to go to the guy's compound. You, they take you right to a guard. That's like the easiest guard in the whole compound to knock out. So I knocked him out, took his suit, hid the body in the bushes, walked around the house. And then I found the room with the book that you pull. It's like the little magic, like Nancy drew Hardy boy. Yeah, like, how did secret... you, how did you get past that? Because there's a guard and a maid right there. Did your outfit get you past them? No. What happened was I went out, I walked past him out on the balcony I threw a muffin on the ground. Uh, the guard comes to get the muffin and I choke him out and like nobody sees me choke him out. And then there's one more guard in the room, but he's like really reading a newspaper and he's on the other side of an aquarium. So I just yeah, choke out the totally maid. he's totally not paying attention. He's yeah. not paying attention, so I choke her out too. So I just choke them both out. Oh my and God. And then okay. open up the door and put them both inside the room. And I'm like, okay, so here's the secret room. And then I start going down into the complex and I find the complex and I find the lady who's talking on the phone about hiding the USB stick and stuff, which is confusing to me because she's talking to the target that hired me to find the stick also. So I guess she's just like covering her bases and like hiring as many people as possible to get that USB stick back. But it felt kind of sloppy. It didn't feel cool or rewarding. It was kind of a little bit confusing, honestly. So I uh, waited until the lady left the room where she hid the USB stick. Uh, and I got to say, I got to say, honestly, just to, to sidebar for a minute, I feel like this is a little buggier and a little bit not as nailed down as these levels usually are because there was a few times when I felt like somebody should have seen me and they didn't see me a few times when I felt like somebody should have responded to something and they didn't respond to something like there's a room where I turn on a radio and I'm expecting a certain guard to come in and turn it off but he never came and I'm like dude you're totally like close enough like in any other hitman level you would have come to get this and you didn't and there's um like so I go back to the locker room uh, where the USB stick is hidden and there's one guard in there um, and he's looking straight at me. So I take an apple. I fucking huck it in his face like as hard as I can. I just like <laughs> slam him in the face with the fucking apple. He falls down over. But instead of getting knocked out, for some reason, he got back up. Oh, if you, no. If you hit people with non-lethal objects, they're supposed to stay unconscious. And I noticed multiple times in this DLC, they got back up. And it was like, there shouldn't be a difference if I hit you in the face or in the back of the head. You should You should still be knocked out. And for whatever reason, the guy got back up. And I was getting ready to like fight him. And he's just like, I, I, I'm not shitting you at all. Like, this is literally what he said. He said, I'm feeling very vulnerable right now. And then he sat back down and he didn't fight me. He didn't raise the alarm. He didn't get mad or anything. And I literally just like beamed him in the face with an apple, like as hard as I could and like almost knocked him out. And I'm like, okay, huh. that should have triggered an alarm. That was a mistake. I don't know what's going on, but when people hit me in the face with apples, I have a bad reaction to that. This guy should have been really pissed off, but he wasn't, he just sat back down. So I just walked up and just like punched him out and like <laughs> that. I mean, that felt like unearned, you know, like it didn't feel good to do that, but I get the stick. I go back up. 
And so what happens is you you go back and meet, just like you did. I, I met the lady at the massage parlor or whatever. Um, there is a, yeah, so, like, she, you just talk to her for a while. And then um, I listened to, like, most of her dialogue because I wanted to know if she was going to give me another mission story or something. Push her over the side of the thing, which is also kind of, like, not great because it's not that far of a drop. And she falls into water. Like, I expect her to, like, surface to the water and scream for help or something. But she, like, dies. And I'm like, okay, that's kind of weird because... I would survive a fall into five feet of water. Like, that would be fine. I'd be okay. I might get mad because there's water up my nose, but I would live. I would be fine. Um, so that seemed like kind of a cheap way to kill her. But you can take that USB stick. After you push her over, she, like, drops it, and you can pick it back up. And that segues into the mission story of the guy with sores. Like, he wants the same mission stick, so you can pick up the USB stick and just bring it to him to continue two story events with the same item oh interesting okay i mean it was kind of interesting because you know they're both looking for it but i didn't like that premise very much to begin with and so it felt kind of cheap that i was kind of double dipping on the same thing but i did it anyway uh because i was already kind of on the path to doing that right so like i go back into the guy's house i dress like a guard walk up to the room and i'm like hey sir i heard you were looking for this and he's like yeah great my usb stick amazing and so he's like, oh, I want to thank you personally. Come with me. Oh. And he takes you. Yeah, he takes you from the upstairs room where he's at. He walks you back down through the mansion, and there's a guard with you. And what happened was earlier in the level, I was fucking around, and I knocked out one of the guards just as I was screwing around. I, I stuck his gun where I thought nobody would see it. And nobody did see it until the guy walked down, but he walked down, and he's like, huh? And then he sees the gun. The guard goes over to investigate the gun, and while the guard is investigating the gun, my target was, like, continuing to walk towards the room where he's eventually going to, like, thank you personally, whatever that means. Maybe he's going to give you a stack of cash or some drugs or something. I don't know. But while the guard was investigating the gun, I shot the target in the head, like, right there in the middle of the room and just, like, walked out. <laughs> <laughs> Fell down dead in the middle of the floor, and I just, like, kept just started stepping, like, walked right out the door. The guard didn't see me. So... I got out, killed two of the guard, two of the targets, and I hadn't been caught. But I gotta say, dude, I wasn't feeling good about it. Like, number one, not my preferred method of playing Hitman. And I just, I remembered, like, oh yeah, that's right, that's why I don't do these stories because I feel like it just, it's just not that satisfying to me. Like, I think I should do them after I do my my initial fuck around run. That's what I like the most. And I kind of cheated myself out of it. So I'm like, oh man, this sucks. Whatever. I'll just, I'll go back and, and fuck around later, I guess. So I had the the gym guy left to do. He's on his little private island, which like is crawling with guards. So I'm like, okay, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go there because I'll end up just knocking them all out one by one, and that'll be kind of boring. I'll wait to try to catch him somewhere else. He goes to the gym. I follow him to the gym, and I just, I can't <clears throat> figure out what's going on. Like I know there's got to be a trainer outfit. I couldn't find the trainer outfit. I found the barbell thing, but I wasn't the trainer, so I couldn't do that. And I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, it's like super crowded in here. Like there's no way I'm gonna get away with anything here. This is dumb. So I go back out of the gym, and I had brought with me um, the pale duck. Do you have the pale duck? You probably do, right? Uh, I think I do, but I is it an explosive? Because I never take explosives with me. It is. It is. I brought it for funsies because I just was like, I'm going to bring an explosive just for fun. <laughs> um, so I, I walked over to where I knew the guy was going to be. I'd seen him walking back and forth from his private island to the gym, and he's on a bridge. So I put the duck on the bridge. It's like a little white rubber duck. You just put it on the bridge, and I just like hid in the bushes. And he came back after his workout, and he's like, what's this? And he, like, bends over, and I just fucking push that button, blow that guy sky high. His body, oh like, God. shoots flying out in the fucking Caribbean Ocean or whatever, and he's fucking gone. And I'm still squatting in the bushes so, like, nobody sees me. I wait till the alarm, like, dies off, and I just, like, walk off the island, and I'm done. Walk away, no big deal. Wow. Solve the whole thing. But 
I was feeling really unsatisfied, right? So I came back and I'm like, well, this sucks. I don't feel like I got my full usual Hitman joy. So I went back to do one of the other story missions and I went back to do the doctor mission. Did you do the doctor dress up like the doctor yet? I heard people in the private villa talking about the doctor. And after I gave the USB stick to the lady and killed her, I looked high and low for that goddamn doctor because I heard someone say that he was in the restaurant and I looked everywhere and could not find him because I wanted to do that because I figured that would lead to his story and I could not find him. So I didn't do it. If you when you start the level immediately, like when you're on the dock, when you arrive on the boat, if you take the first right on the little network of I don't know, tropical island bridges or whatever. <laughs> He's in the bungalow that's immediately to your right. Like, it's super oh, close to the beginning. Okay. And I actually found it on accident because I thought that was my bungalow. Because when you get your key, the lady's like, yeah, it's on the right. And I'm like, well, you're right or my right. Like, which right was it? <laughs> and so I come back. I went to the wrong bungalow. But I heard the lady talking about, like, oh, yeah, he flew us out here and it's so boring. And he's got to go take care of the sick guy or whatever. I'm like, oh, okay, so this is the doctor. Um, so I restarted the game. Fresh, you know, just fresh start. Walk over to the guy's bungalow. Like, I drop down into the water and I'm, like, like listening and one of the things that makes this particular DLC really challenging, which I think is also kind of cheap, is like a lot of the people that you need to interact with and a lot of the targets are constantly followed by at least one person. There's always like this extra set of eyes. Um, and like maybe it makes sense for like the guy who's running the island. Maybe he's paranoid or something. Like maybe that makes sense. But like this is like a doctor. Like he's just there. I mean, maybe they're trying to make it seem like this is like ultra posh resort where there's always like a servant waiting on you hand and foot or whatever is maybe the, the tone they were going for. But, like, I just felt like it kind of artificially made some of these things a little bit more difficult than they needed to be. Um, so I get to the, the the doctor's bungalow. His girlfriend is on the beach. She's, like, um, sunbathing. And the doctor's inside. And he's, like, constantly followed by this, like, servant. And, like, she never leaves his side. And, like, okay, this is fucking irritating. Okay, whatever. <laughs> so I, I climb over. I unlock the door. Um, go in the bathroom. By the way, like a lot of people didn't react when I used the lockpick, by the way. That was another thing I noticed. I felt like it was a bug. I was lockpicking a lot of stuff and like very few people reacted to it. So that was something that was weird. Anyway, um, so I get inside his bathroom. I wait for him to like be alone, but he's like never alone. I'm like, fuck it, whatever. So like I kick down the door, shoot the servant, shoot the doctor in the head. <laughs> like, fuck you guys both. You're, I'm waiting too long. It's pissing me off. The girl doesn't hear it because I'm using the silence pistol, right? So like I stash both bodies in the bathroom, put on the doctor's outfit go to the guy's compound, the, the guy with the sores. Like, you walk through the main gate. You get frisked, so you can't bring in a gun. But you've got the stethoscope, and the stethoscope says doubles as a garrote. So, like, okay, fine. But whatever. You don't even need that. Like, you just use your fists half the time anyway. You don't, need, you don't even need the fiber wire or anything like that. So, like, I go upstairs, and I go in the room with um, a butler. The butler's like, oh, I'll show you this way. Follow me. He goes there, and he's, like, standing there. He doesn't leave. And I'm like, fuck. I'm not going to be able to kill this guy because this butler's not leaving. So I, I walk in back of the butler completely kill him just like strangle him out with a fucking uh stethoscope hide his body in the closet and then i just wait and eventually the guy shows up and he's like oh you're not my regular doctor and he's like yeah your doctor was boning his girlfriend he's like super tired he can't be here today so i'm your doctor dr reaper thank you very much dr reaper dr reaper which is funny um so he comes in with a guard the guard totally stands out on the balcony uh, completely oblivious to what's going on and you start giving the guy his checkup and you're like oh yeah take off your robe and take a deep breath and cough for me. Like there's like, there's like a million prompts of like all these different medical things you could have him do, which is fucking funny as hell. <laughs> so you like, you keep doing all these different things. And eventually you like tell him to turn around cause you want to listen to his um, lungs or whatever. And you can just like choke him out and like, you know, hide him in the closet and like nobody notices and you just like walk out. So that, I did that much. And then I stopped cause we had to record the show, but 
overall, um, I mean, it's okay. I like the compactness of it. It was fine. I think smaller levels are okay. But I did feel like even though it was smaller, it was maybe a little, a little bit buggy. Like, not super buggy, not anything that I would really get mad about. But there was just, like, little things here and there where I felt like it wasn't as airtight as Hitman usually is. And I did feel like it was kind of cheap because it was really, um, really packed. Like, there's always people around. The targets always had at least one or two people wherever they went. And, like, I felt like uh, just, I mean... It just was, like, one notch harder than it needed to be, but not for a good reason. I didn't feel like all this stuff was really earned. Um, and some of it I just couldn't figure out. Like, I wanted to sabotage the guy's jet ski. I could not figure out how to get the jet ski instructor alone, so I didn't do that one. And there's one other story mission that I didn't do either, um, which I may come back and try. But, I mean, overall, it was fine. I mean, I mean, hit, even bad Hitman is good Hitman. Like, there's no, <laughs> there's no truly bad Hitman, right? Unless you want to do, like, some of the older stuff. Some of that stuff was pretty sketchy. But, like, modern Hitman is good. Like, Hitman, the recent one, Hitman 2, it's all good. And even when it's a level like this where it's like, you know, it's okay. There's a couple cool parts. Um, I got to say, the starfish is fucking amazing. Did you find the starfish? I found it, but I did not use it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. You pick up a fucking starfish when you're fucking around in the ocean, you pick it up and like, you can throw it like a goddamn ninja star. It goes <laughs> swirling across the room and stabs him doing the face. It's amazing. You threw it, you killed the guy with a starfish. Like it's the best thing. Um, so it's not my favorite level, not the worst level. I mean, it was okay. Um, I kind of regret not doing my traditional fuck around playthrough. Cause I think I kind of cheated myself out of my maximum fun, but I still enjoyed it. I'm still having fun with it. And, uh, I may come back and do a little bit more. Yeah, I, um, I think that I mean like I mean I echo your sentiment exactly where even like bad hitman is good hitman because this isn't this definitely is not like a bad level by any stretch of the imagination. Um I was just surprised at how small it was and also I was surprised like about like for this to be like the last thing cuz they've like led us to believe and I mean they can maybe change their minds at any point on this but like they have led us to believe that this is like the last actual level release for Hitman 2 which means I mean, I'm assuming they must be working on Hitman 3 at this point because, like every Hitman mission does, this ends on a cliffhanger. But I was kind of, like, surprised that, like, this is what the last one was. It just didn't seem that, I don't know, that, like, like epic or something to me. Like, it, it wasn't, like, a huge, like, showdown. It was just like, all right, you're on this small tropical island. Now go, like, I don't know, kill these three people. And... I mean, I did enjoy it, but it just reminded me a little bit too much of, like, Hitman levels that I've already played in the past. Because I think around the time they announced that they were doing the bank level in New York, they, like, teased to the fact that the last mission was going to be this, like, resort-style mission. And I was just, like, I mean, I still like it and everything, but at the same time, I was just, like, ugh, like, another, like, tropical resort? Like, I mean, I guess the game's not, like, you know, filled out with them, but it just seems like such a... I don't know, like, I mean, we already have the Miami level, which is, like, a bright and sunshiny level. There's, like, a little bit of beach area on it, and I don't know, it just seems like, it reminded me a lot of the final mission in Hitman 2016 that was at the cool rehab center in Japan, uh, the Hokkaido level, because it's kind of a similar setup. Like, that level is a lot more complex, and it's a lot more interesting and well done but it was just kind of like a similar setup where it's like okay you're at this resort style area there's like apartments there's a restaurant there's a spa you know it was just like a lot of the same beats as far as the area goes um so i was a little bit 
disappointed in that. Like I was, I was kind of hoping for like, I don't know, maybe just like some kind of like super like rainy, dreary, like Hitman contracts type level, or maybe something that was like, I don't know, a little bit more like maybe like technological or like fantastical maybe in a way, or maybe like science fiction in a certain regard. Cause like, yeah, it does have the server farm, but that wasn't really like enough for me to be like, okay, this is like really going off in a different direction. Like, I don't know. I feel like sometimes the level design is occasionally so grounded in realism that it's like a little bit too afraid to like be fantastical in a way. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I hear what you're saying totally. Like, I feel like I feel like they kind of peaked too early, and I don't know, like, why these levels came out in the order that they did. I don't know if that was the plan or whatever. And honestly, I mean, just to be, like, super pessimistic here, part of me in the back of my mind was like, okay, well, they're probably working on something else. They don't have the full resources to devote, so they're going to do a much smaller level that has fewer stories that maybe isn't exactly as airtight as it usually is. I mean, still good. Like, don't get me wrong, still good, but, like... They've had some, like, spectacular highs. And, like, you know, like, like when you go to the uh, the secret level where they're in the castle and it's, like, the secret society is meeting and stuff. I mean, that's a pretty epic, like, rain is coming down and there's all these people in these weird fucking gowns. And it's, like, this strange, <laughs> like, um, eyes wide shut sort of a thing going on. Like, that's crazy pants, dude. And there's other levels that I think are also equally epic. If this level had come before one of those epic levels, I think it would have been totally fine. Like, it's, like, a setup level. It's an interstitial level where you're just doing something to get some data gathering. And I got to be honest with you, dude, when the, when the level started and they're like, yes, this is the location of the data we got from the bank vault. I'm like, oh, right. There was a story to this. I totally, <laughs> totally forgot that that was even a thing. I'm like, yes, I remember the bank vault. I don't remember why I was in the bank vault, but I remember having fun in the bank vault. Um, so, I, I mean, I appreciate that they wanted to carry the thread through. But again, like you said... Hitman, don't need no story, bro. Just give me a, a section of levels. That's, I just need a target. That's all I need. I really don't need a story. But anyway, I was reminded of like, oh, that's right. There is actually a point to this. I was doing a data collection thing. And if this had been like a medium, like middle of the game level, totally fine. But like, like you said, to end, ostensibly anyway, ostensibly ending Hitman 2 on a level that is small. I mean, it's cute. It's okay. It's fine. It's not exactly brand new. There's stuff here that we've seen before. And, I mean, I didn't see everything on the island, but, like, a lot of the stuff I did in the island didn't really feel that epic. I mean, I pushed a lady off a balcony. That wasn't super epic. <laughs> Agent 47 does that, like, three times before he has breakfast. Like, that's nothing big. I mean, I choked a guy out when he turned around. I mean, that wasn't super epic. I mean, and not like I necessarily need it to be epic, but if you're going to finish the game, you're going to end the game... I kind of was hoping it would be bigger, but then again, at the same time, they're probably thinking, well, we need to have an epic finish for people who actually bought the game, and not everybody bought the DLC, so I'm sure only a smaller fraction of the people who play Hitman are even going to play this level at all, so we probably shouldn't have, like, the most epic proper finale, because people are not going to see it, so why would we put the effort into stuff that people aren't going to play? I mean, it all kind of makes sense when you think about it in different ways, but for us who, like, devour this stuff and play it all and love it so much, it is kind of a bummer to, like, be like, oh, well, the final DC was kind of, you know, it was good. It was good. Like, it was good. Like, it's not good. It's 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 not not good. But, yeah, it's not, like, the giant, like, oh, my God, did you do that thing with the guy? Oh, my God, that was, like, like firing the guy out of the uh, airplane ejector seat. That's epic, dude. That's super epic. <laughs> or, you know, like, doing some crazy thing where you're sniping somebody from, like, across the whole map. Super epic. Like, love that. 
This is just like you just did. It was like a, a, a meat and potatoes kind of a level. Like nothing really spectacular happened here. And in fact, it was a little too convenient for me, I think. Yeah. And I, yeah, like what you're expressing is like 100% valid. And it was kind of what I was thinking about as I was playing it last night. Because you have a weird scenario where it's like, you know, instead of delivering Hitman 2 episodically like they did Hitman 2016, they deliver the entire game at once, which I mean, I like them both ways. I like it episodic and I like, you know, the entire game at once. So I would understand why they would want the package of Hitman 2 to have like a pretty good like ebb and flow and pace as far as like the mission structure goes. And you're not wrong about the final level of the original Hitman 2 package being like the island, like eyes wide shut thing. Like that level is absolutely incredible. There are perhaps more moving parts in that level than any that I've seen before in Hitman, like maybe like Mumbai notwithstanding. Um, and so they're kind of like, you know, stuck, you know, between a rock and a hard place because they suddenly have a full package here that's like packaged and ready to go. But then they have, you know, this promise that they're going to deliver more story missions. So they have to continue the story threads. And what I wish they would have done is instead of, saying, okay, our two DLC missions we're going to put out for the Gold Edition are going to be continuations of the story, I wish they would have just been like, okay, we're just going to throw, like, two prequel levels in or something, you know, like, two random assignments that have nothing to do with the story, that have nothing to do with continuing these story threads that don't even make sense and are easy to follow in the first place. Like, I would have much preferred these two DLC missions to be, like, almost like a hitman contracts or hitman blood money type thing where it's just like all right we're gonna dive into 47's past and go take him to some weird place that has nothing to do with anything instead of trying to like you know continue this story that's really kind of like not even really worth continuing in the first place so it's kind of a shame that they that they did it that way even better dude even better like i would i would love it if like a cutscene starts like 47 comes home right like he goes he logs on to like bank of america to check his balance <laughs> and he's like fuck like he sees like hulu deductions and he's got netflix deductions and he signed up for like <laughs> apple arcade and his bank account is like destroyed right and he's like oh my god i'm broke and he calls up whoever and he's like yeah i, I need some cash real quick like what do you got for me and just do some of those missions man like it's, he's just earning his wage like that's fine i don't need some like weird conspiracy this game is just fucking fun. Just just have him just like doing his nine to five, right? Oh, I got to kill some guy. Who cares? It doesn't matter. I'm just going to kill this guy. It has nothing to do with like a global conspiracy. It has nothing to do with spying or identity theft or anything. It's just some guy who was sleeping around his wife and the wife hates him. I'm going to kill this guy. And then she's got a lot of money. Like that's it. He's got to do like that. That's all the, we need. Yeah, just doing the jobber missions. I would love those, dude. An entire game of just like 12 Slabo missions where he's just killing some jerk for like no real reason. Who cares? It's still fun. Yeah, and that's why like Hitman Contracts and Hitman Blood Money were so successful to me because like they didn't... I mean, part of Hitman Contracts was a remake and part of it was original, which I think is also special. But like there's so much in both of those games where it's just like, all right, we have these like 10 completely disconnected hits. And like... There's, like, little bits of interesting story thread that ties them together, but it's not, like, they don't, like, hit you over the head with the story. And I feel like Hitman 2016 and Hitman 2 are, like, trying to really make a case for the story. And the story is not worth making a case for at all. No, it really isn't. No, no, They should have just taken those resources and put them into, like, I don't know, like, writing more dialogue for the funny characters and the levels or something. Like, it's like, I don't give a fuck about 
the story i don't care i mean i like agent 47 a lot as a character and i like his handler diana oh, I love him, dude i love him yeah yeah but like i don't need these like ridiculous like oh conspiracy theory like illuminati story threads like it's just dumb and it doesn't make any sense and i don't care i just want like run-of-the-mill missions in exceptional locations to go and kill people and that's all i need absolutely absolutely 100 percent agreed so yes um i guess this is Oh, okay. One more thing. One more thing. I was going to say this is probably the last time we're going to talk about Hitman for a while, but I did want to hit you up one more time. Um, as I was jumping back into the game, I'm like, oh, right. I never got around to the Patient Zero thing. Now, you really like Patient Zero, <gasps> oh, right? Oh, yeah. I love Patient Zero. Okay. So you, I should go back and play that before I retire Hitman 2, correct? Yeah, because Patient Zero, it like... It, I, the thing I think I said this at the time when I talked about it a while back, but the thing that I really like about Patient Zero is that, yes, it does reuse locations from hitman 2016 but it like it like is it's a little goofy like it gives itself permission to kind of like be experimental in a way that hitman 16 like was more or hitman 2016 was a little more straight laced and i really appreciated that about patient zero so i definitely think you should go back and play it okay yeah as i was looking at the menu i'm like oh that's right i totally forgot i never got around to this thing i think that's probably the last thing that i haven't played so i will probably play that before i pack it up and maybe we'll talk about it on a future show um i might maybe i'll play it tonight we'll see how much time i get but all right well that wraps up our hitman 2 haven island spoiler discussion it's been a good run don't you think i mean hasn't hitman 2 been pretty great yeah i really am thankful that even with io interactive split from square enix that they really came out on the other side of it successful and i hope that they just continue doing what they're doing they could make Hitman levels for the next 50 years and do nothing else, and I would be completely happy, and I'm glad that they found success, and hopefully they are keeping up financially and able to work on more stuff because there we say this every time we talk about Hitman, but there is really nothing like it out there. It's really special. I'm shocked that nobody has tried to copy this formula because IO Interactive does it so well, and I really... And like even like you said earlier, even a bad Hitman level is a good Hitman level, and... I really just applaud them for everything they're doing. Same, same. I wish them success. I would I would also buy literally every level they ever put out. If they just did 100 levels from here to eternity, I would play them all. I would love them all. I mean, Hitman is better than it's ever been, honestly. Like, as someone who's played almost all of them, I know you've played almost all of them. Or have you... you did you play the PC one, the very first one? Uh, some of it, yeah. Okay, so you've, like, you've played even more than I have, and I've played a shitload of them. I mean, as people who, like, spent four hours talking about Hitman on one podcast... <laughs> We love this game, and I don't know about you, but I feel like Hitman 2 is, like, right now is, like, the best it's ever been. Would you agree with that? I think so, yes. Yeah, I think the quality of life, the changes, the menu, the UI, the systems. I mean, not perfect. There's a few things I would like to change. I'm sure that's true of you as well. But overall, Hitman 2 is amazing. If you haven't bought Hitman 2 by now, where have you been, my friend? How are you even listening to this podcast? We talk about it. We love it. Please go and buy Hitman 2 get the season pass, play all the levels. Like, it's good stuff. Even the worst level of Hitman is miles better than, like, a lot of other schlock that's out there. Please play Hitman 2. Please support these guys. I'm going to be there supporting them. I know you will, too. Um, so I think that wraps up our Hitman discussion. Folks, go out and buy it. Indeed. Indeed, indeed. So that brings us to the end of the show. Thank you very much for listening, folks. We will be back next week with another episode. And... Uh, yes, we are still giving away more games. I know that some people sent in some emails and we were slow to respond. I apologize for that, but I have responded. Everybody's gotten their codes. And you people who uh, wrote in for the PC games last week, y'all got hooked up, didn't you? <laughs> I sent you guys so many codes. 
Hopefully some of those will be good. I can't speak for the quality of them, but I do know they were free, and I do know that I gave you a pile, so hopefully some of those were good. Anyway, still more games to give away. We have PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. Just email in and ask for one. It might be great. It might be awful. Probably awful. But either way, it's going to be free. Where do you email? It's the same place you send us your comments, thoughts, feedback, ideas, anything else you would like to. So video games podcast at gmail.com. One email address does it all. You can also post comments for us at gamecritics.com once the show goes up. We are on Twitter as a show collectively at So Video Games, but I think a better, more effective way of reaching us is individually. I am on Twitter and Instagram. It's my name, B R A D G A L L A W A Y. Corey, where are you on the social media? I can also be found on Twitter and the Instagrams. Uh, my username is also my first and last name. It is Corey Motley. That is spelled C-O-R-E-Y-M-O-T-L-E-Y. Excellent, excellent. Come look us up. Say hi if you choose to. And again, thanks for joining us for another episode of So Video Games. Uh, please stick around for the banter after the music if you are so inclined. But in the meantime, this is Bye from Brad. And bye from Corey. We will see you guys next week. All right, man. Banter time, as it always is. Do you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? Um, I only have like one thing, so it doesn't matter. Uh, is it a big thing or a little thing? Um, it's a movie. Okay, why don't you do that first? Yes, go. Okay, so I'll talk about this a little bit on the show, but last night I was like, last night was going to be like my big old video games night um, because, of course, in true me fashion, I wait until the night before we podcast to play any video games ever um and so i got home from work yesterday and i was like all right tonight's the night the new hitman mission is out i'm gonna download it and i'm gonna like eat and then i'm gonna play it and i'm gonna play it like 400 times like i always do all night long and then i'll bring it to the show and we can talk about it <laughs> and then i um i'm sitting at home and it's about 7 30 i've probably been home for about an hour and uh, my friend levi calls me which is out of the blue because these days, if somebody calls you, you know it's an emergency. Um, someone just died, literally, if someone calls yeah. you. So Levi calls me, and I'm like, hmm. Well, and to be fair, I had just texted him like 15 minutes beforehand. So I was like, wow, my text messages was not was not urgent enough to warrant a phone call. But it's Levi. He is one of my best friends. So I will answer the phone. So I answer the phone. And, of course, it was uh, he was calling me. And only the most dire emergency situation, because what he wanted to tell me was, hey, my girlfriend and I are going to see Hustlers tonight. Do you want to go with us? <laughs> <laughs> um, Hustlers, of course, for those who don't know, being the new movie with uh, Jennifer Lopez and uh, Constance Wu, I think is her name. Um and Lily Reinhardt and other people. It is the movie about uh, a bunch of strippers who, based on a true story, I might add, based on a journalistic article that came out a few years ago um, about some strippers circa 2017, like pre the Wall Street crash, where basically they were strippers, they were making really good money, 
they were all working at this one club and then the wall street crash happened and they kind of like because like the they were in new york so all of like the rich wall street dudes always came to their club and then once wall street kind of like was not in good shape for a while then they stopped coming to the club and the club went downhill and so they have to find like other means of using their skills in order to sort of like survive and make money um and that was definitely an emergency situation and i thought about it long and hard i told levi let me think about this and i will let you know because last night was like my video game night and of course they wanted to go see it at 9 p.m so it was like 7 30 when he called so i had like about enough like like not really enough because i knew that if i wanted to play hitman it was going to be like hours like it's not just like a jump in and out thing so i was like okay great what am i going to do now like i can either tell him no and and play hitman because i needed to play hitman and or other video games or i can say yes because i really wanted to see this movie because i was the i brought it to his attention a few weeks ago sort of assuming that they were going to go see it anyway um, and then he returned the favor by letting me know that they were going to. And so finally I gave in and I texted him back and asked him what seats they reserved so I could get a seat next to them. And then I went and saw, it was a long night last night. I went and saw Hustlers from nine to about, by the time the previews and the movie were over, I got home and just a little after 1130. And then I proceeded to turn Hitman on at about midnight last night and start <laughs> it at midnight because oh, I, man. Oh man. Okay. I know. So, I mean, I had to, because, like, I'm really, something that I struggle with in life in general is, like, planning things ahead of time. Like, because, you know, yesterday, or, like, a couple days ago, I was like, oh, well, I can, the new Hitman mission comes out tomorrow, I will play that, and that'll be, like, the meat of what I talk about on the show. But I didn't really think about, like, I I never, like, plan, like, more than, like, a day or two ahead, which is really problematic for me, um... And so I I found myself in a situation like this where whenever Levi called, I was like, okay, I literally, like, if I go see the movie, like, I literally have to play Hitman tonight because I do not have any other time to play it. I wake up, I go to work tomorrow, I have to bust my ass to get home from work and then immediately start recording the show. So there was no, like, gray area for me to even be like, all right, maybe I can squeeze it in, like, between work and recording because there's literally no time. So I was able, but I, I mean, successfully, I might add, play it as, because we're in the time loop, as you would have already heard on the show, you've already heard our thoughts and feelings about Hitman, but that was the situation I was in last night. But I did see um, Hustlers, which was very, very good. Um, I think that when this movie sort of was being marketed, it was perhaps like, you know, sort of like, oh, it's just like a dumb stripper movie. Like, oh, it's just about like hot girls or whatever. But after it came out, it's sort of like, I mean, it has like upwards of like between an 80 or 90% on Rotten Tomatoes right now. So it's like up there. Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. And so, and like, it's been getting a lot of buzz for like, okay, no, this is actually more than just like a movie about like TNA. Like there's a lot more going on. And the fact that it's based on a true story makes it even more interesting. So um, and it was thoroughly enjoyable. It was written and directed by a woman, which I obviously love. Um, because there are not enough, like, blockbuster movies out there that have, like, women filmmakers attached to them in any way. So the fact that um, writer and director was a woman is great. Um, and and it was just really good. I mean, it was basically, like, Constance Wu is... Uh, she plays this kind of, like... I wouldn't call her an amateur stripper, but she's kind of, like, a mid-level stripper. 
Um, and she's kind of like down on her luck a little bit, not making enough money she wants to be making. And then she sees Jennifer Lopez do this like cool, like really awesome, like stripper routine that comes like pretty early in the movie and sort of is in like awe of how like amazing Jennifer Lopez is as a stripper. And like to her credit, the sequence was uh, wonderful. Um, and then she sort of like goes to Jennifer Lopez and says, you know, like, hey, will you kind of like take me under your wing a little bit and we can kind of like partner up. And, and so they end up partnering up and like part of the movie is sort of about their friendship, uh, developing and about Jennifer Lopez kind of showing Constance who like, you know, more of the ropes of like how to like hook in like the higher tier, like bad boys from wall street who are basically like drug addicts by day and like steal people's money of, you know, on the, uh, on wall street and then like come in and blow like thousands and thousands of thousands and like, private rooms and stuff in the strip club. And so she kind of like shows her the ropes. And then, like I said, the kind of like the fallout happens of the uh, market crash. And then they have to figure out what to do. And they start running this ring where basically they like start like drugging men in order to like <laughs> steal money from them. Jesus, like and, they're robbing them, you mean? Or what? I mean, like essentially, yeah. Like they, they like meet these men outside of the clubs and they have this like, ketamine like mixture thing and they like start drugging their drinks and then they're they they do not like completely like knock them out or anything but they like drug them just enough so we're like they're pretty like loopy and then you know they take them back to the strip club and then they start like basically stealing their cards and like we'll like ring up their cards at the bar for like a bunch of money and then take it back to them and then you know, they kind of wake up the next day not really knowing the difference. And, like, you know, they definitely... And, like, just to be clear here, I'm totally, like, on the stripper's side about this because, like, Jennifer Lopez has this whole monologue in the movie about, like, how, like, all the Wall Street dudes are doing. They're just a bunch of, like, rich assholes that are, like, stealing money from everybody else. And, like, they're a bunch of, like, corporate thieves that basically, like, never pay for their crimes or go to jail anyway. And, like, they won't be missing any of this money that the strippers steal. Meanwhile, the strippers are, like working their asses off and they're not making any money and they're uh and like because of the wall street crash like it's affecting their business and everything and they can't get like respectable jobs quote unquote anywhere else like there's a sequence where constance Wu was trying to like apply for positions and she tries to get a job at this like department store and like the department store won't even take her because like she doesn't have any retail experience and so um, you know, Jennifer, I mean, obviously, like, drugging people and stealing their money is not great, but I definitely, like, support the women in this scenario. And um, and so they – and that's sort of, like, what it's about. And it's about kind of, like, their relationships and maybe, like, some of the fallout of what happens. And, you know, I'm not going to give away the whole movie, but that's, like, the meat and potatoes of it. But I really liked it. I thought it was pretty – like, it's pretty, a lot of it was pretty funny. Um, it's kind of like a dramedy, if you will, because it is based on a true story. And there's a lot of, like, serious stuff in it. But there's, you know, some comedy here and there and some funny stuff that happens. And it uh, is kind of um, sort of like um, shot. It was really beautifully shot. I mean, a lot of it, the movie takes place in and around strip clubs. So there's obviously, like a lot of like bisexual lighting and like hot pink lighting and stuff. So that was really nice for me to look at. And, uh, and it's a little like the movie's like a tiny, tiny bit self-indulgent, which I kind of like because we're really used to seeing movies by like famous male filmmakers that are like often really self-indulgent. Like someone who comes to mind right now for me is like Quentin Tarantino. Like he basically like makes movies for himself and he just is sort of like, 
made a bunch of like lonely white men like think that his movies are great and so like for some reason he gets like held up on this pedestal even though his movies are kind of strange and really self-indulgent so it was cool to have like a female filmmaker kind of like dip into this like slightly self-indulgent filmmaking as well and kind of be like really unapologetic about it so I really liked that too sort of that bit of aspect because some of the stuff I was just thinking like "Mm, like this kind of didn't need to be here and it kind of seemed like she wanted to do it just to do it but at the same time I was like hell yeah because this is the kind of stuff that like mediocre male filmmakers are getting like celebrated for so like I fully support um female filmmakers doing this too but I thought it was good um all things considered it reminded me slightly of, and I think I talked about this on the show before, the movie Widows, uh, which is a, I mean, it's not a similar movie, but it's basically a movie about, like, a bunch of women whose husbands are, like, bank robbers, and they die in this, like, fantastical robbery situation. And so the widows band together to, like, perform this, like, last heist that all of their husbands were planning, and it had kind of, like... I mean, Widows is, like, very, very, very serious and kind of grim and not doesn't really have a lot of comedy. But it, it just kind of reminded me of similar things where it's, like, you know, a movie about, like, women in a man's world and what they have to do to get by. And, like, if men were doing these kind of things, like, they would maybe be, like, celebrated or looked up to. But if women are doing them, then suddenly people are, like, raising an eyebrow and it's sort of like a, you know, fuck the system and fuck the patriarchy kind of thing. So... It's kind of like a good like A and B side of similar themes in movies. I think Hustlers is a better movie, um, but it just reminded me a little bit of Widows. But uh, yeah, I thought Hustlers was very well done and enjoyable. Excellent, excellent. Um, yeah, I heard that it was getting some pretty good buzz. And I mean, it's not exactly the kind of movie that I would see, but it's not something I would avoid either. But like, I don't know that I would necessarily go out to a theater to see it, but... Um, if it, you know, if it pops up for rent and uh, my wife and I are both awake and my son is over to a friend's house and if it's, you know, the moon is in the third house of Mercury and all these <laughs> things come together, then maybe we'll watch it. But uh, uh, I'm glad it's good, though. And it's uh, been a while since JLo had a hit. It seemed like she kind of did, like, she tried to break off into movies for a while and she just had, like, like really mediocre movies. None of them really got big, did they? I don't, nothing jumps to mind. You know, offhand, did she have any big hits when she started doing movies? Um, I mean, the one that I always think of is Anaconda, <laughs> which is, like, really old at this point. Um, was that, like, her first one that she did? I think it, well, I don't know if it was her first one, but it was definitely one of the kind of what ones. made her famous, yeah. yeah. But, like, she did that, and then she did The Cell, uh, which I love that movie. I've talked about that movie, like, a million times on the show. Um, I think The Cell is really great. And... Um, I mean, she's done some other stuff, and then she took a break to, like, do her music career, because she was an actress first, and then went into music, and then is kind of coming back into the film space, and she just had, like, a romantic comedy that came out a couple months ago, where she was, like, I can't even remember, she was, like, a like a maid or something, and she was trying to apply yeah. to these, like, yeah, corporate yeah, yeah. jobs, yeah, yeah. Or something like that. I remember seeing and, the trailers for that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that seemed like it just kind of came and went in the theaters, and, I mean, I think she's really, really good in Hustlers. I, I keep seeing some, like, articles and tweets that are like, ooh, Oscar buzz for J-Lo, and, like, I mean, I don't think that what she's doing in this movie is, like, Oscar-worthy, and I would be really surprised to see her get, like, a, you know, Best Actress or Best Supporting Actress nomination, but I do think it's probably the best acting work she's done in a really long time and something else that impressed me about her and the movie is like 
she's like 50 and is like one of the most like muscular women like oh, I've yeah. ever seen like she her like shoulders and traps and arms in this movie like you can tell that she like worked her ass off to like learn how to pole dance for the movie because pole dancing is fucking hard and she like has her whole sequence in the movie and from what I can tell and from what I've read I don't think she had like body doubles for any of her stuff like maybe a little bit but like i haven't really read anything about like oh like here's jlo's body double for the movie so it seems like she did a lot of her own stuff for it and just like her just like shoulders and chest and arms like they're fucking rips like i don't know why she's not doing like an action movie or something because she looks like she could be like you know a side by side with like charlie's there and an atomic blonde like she looks like she could really kick some ass and it was just cool to see like you know, like, with especially, like, in a movie about strippers, because it's a lot about, like, femininity, but it also, like, the strength in her character, like, not only physically, but, like, emotionally in the movie. So it's cool to see sort of, like, that balance of um, sort of, like, both worlds colliding. And she just, she looks fantastic in the movie, and it's also the best acting work she's done in a really long time. Excellent. Well, it sounds like it's going to be a big win for J-Lo, and, I, you know, I honestly haven't heard much from her lately. So, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's time that she gets back in the spotlight and starts doing some stuff like that. I mean, I mean she can do whatever she wants. I don't care. She's way rich, and <laughs> she can probably fuck off and do nothing for the rest of her life, and she'd be fine. But, you know, I don't know. She wants to come back and do some movie stuff and stuff. I'm sure that'd be welcome. So, yeah, maybe maybe she would do uh, an action thing. Because, I mean, uh, I mean, I saw pictures of her, and she does look amazing for... I mean, not, and not even just, like, amazing for 50. Like, that sounds like an insult. I don't mean to say that <laughs> as an insult. Like, she looks amazing, period double amazing for 50 so i mean maybe she maybe she will transfer into doing some action movies i mean i think that more and more these days ladies are doing um you know like more respectable action roles uh and so I, i'm sure that would be totally welcome too so i don't know we'll see what she does i don't know yeah i well, hope so that sounds fun we are going to talk i know we're caught in the time loop here but i'm very curious to see how your midnight hitman session went but we'll hold on to that because <laughs> even though people have just heard about it i haven't heard about it yet because we're you know we live in backwards backwards universe here so i'm very curious i'm very curious um as far as me i don't have a whole lot to report i've just been really busy with um just stuff like paperwork and cleaning up the house and doing homeschool stuff i mean nothing like really super uh worth talking about i did another inside xbox show yesterday um, and that was that took up basically all day. So we were on set doing that. I don't know if the I don't think they're archiving them. I'm not sure if they are, but um, but anytime that they do an inside Xbox, uh, me and one of uh, one person that I work with are kind of becoming like the go-to people for that. So anybody listening, if you want to see me doing some American Sign Language for the Inside Xbox show, you can look up those streams. I think it's like uh, Mixer.com slash MixerASL, I think, is the link. Um, it may still be up by the time the show airs. Maybe it's not. I mean, it's kind of a news show, so I'm not sure if they're archiving a news show, because why would you go back and watch old news? There's not really, like, a lot of value to it. But it might still be up. Maybe take a gander if you're curious. Um, other than that, the only, like, real significant thing to talk about uh, is I went to the State Fair last week. We didn't talk about this yet, did we? We did not. Oh, my God. Oh, dude. Okay, so, like, I'm 43 right now. And I think I look pretty good for 43. But <laughs> internally, I'm, like, a rotting mess. Like, it's disgusting. <laughs> uh, like, my body is telling me, like, in a thousand different ways, like, I am old. You know, like, hey, man, 
if this was prehistoric times, some saber-toothed tiger would already be eating your nutsack right now. Like, there were just, I wouldn't have survived, <laughs> right? So, I think part of that is how much you can tolerate rides. So, are you like a ride, like, you know, like a Tilt the Whirl, the Zipper, the Wildcat, Roller Coasters? Any, are you like that guy? Do you ride rides, Corey? <clears throat> I mean, I would, but now that I think about it, I don't think I've been to, like, a roller coastery park and probably, like, oh, my God, probably since I was, like, 19. It's probably been, like, more than a decade now that I think about it. Jesus. Okay, so a really good way to find out how old you are biologically <laughs> is to get your ass to a theme park and ride some rides. And I will tell you... If you're like me, your body will tell you really quickly it does not want you on those rides. Um, so my son is 10. Homeschool son is 10. And he loves rides. He is still in that part of life where, like, he, you know, can bounce off walls full of energy. He can do anything, go all day, go, go, go. It's fine. Um, and we, we took him to the fair because he loves it. And, you know, we love it, too. We have a good time. Eat lots of fair food, walk around, look at, you know, look at livestock and see crazy things. And there's music and everything. So it's really fun. Uh, but he wants to ride the rides and we, so, so like from, from like zero to like six or seven, he's been limited to like the little kid rides. So like the roller coaster that only goes up like two feet and comes back down two feet, like the, like the, <laughs> the micro coaster, you know, or like the little, the little golf cart that just kind of spins in a circle and it doesn't really do anything. So he's been on those, but now he's actually tall enough so that when you line up in one of those rides and it's like, you must be this tall to ride. Like he's tall enough for all those now. So we started going on them last year and I got really sick, dude. Like we went on like some spin. I think it was, the, I think it was actually the tilt the world we got on. And about halfway through the ride, I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to puke <laughs> all over. And I've never really been like a puker, like on a ride or anything. I've never had, I, I don't get seasick. I don't generally get motion sick. Uh, but something about being on that ride really put me off. So, uh, so last year we got off the ride and I was sick like the rest of the day, dude. Like it didn't, it didn't get better 15 minutes after I got off the ride. Like, I was sick, like, the rest of the day. My stomach was upset. Felt like I was on the verge of puking. It was terrible. And I felt bad because I just couldn't keep up with my son and do all of the things he wanted to do because I literally was afraid I was going to vomit. Like, I just did not feel good. So this year, I'm like, I don't want to be the lame dad. I'm going to, like, totally do whatever I need to do. I'm going to keep up with my kid. If he wants to ride a ride, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with him on that ride, for God's sakes. So I bought a bunch of motion sickness tablets that you take for like if you get seasick and i'm like, like i'm not like tramamine like that totally yeah exactly exactly i bought a bunch of that stuff i took like the max dose when we got there and i'm like all right good to go it took my pills i waited like the hour that they say to wait before the medicine kicks in went with them on the ride first fucking ride so goddamn sick dude that oh medicine didn't do anything my stomach was just like totally put off i had to go get like I had to go get like a soda to settle my tummy after I got off the ride because I'm fucking old and weak, you know? <laughs> so I had a little soda. I mean, it made me feel a little bit better, but not super better. And then the wife took over for a while and she's like, oh, dude, I'm getting sick too. And I'm like, oh, fuck, we're both sick now. Like, what do we do? And like, he was like, let's go more rides, more rides. And I'm like, oh, man, totally feeling bad because like, you know, like it's very rare that we are not able to do something like for our side. I mean, we know it's not like, it's not like super privileged. Like we don't give him every single thing that he wants. I'm not trying to make it sound like he's spoiled or anything, but like, you know, we like to do things as a family. We like to have these experiences together and it's rare, very rare that we can't do something together that we want to do. Um, and I was feeling kind of lame about it and feeling really like down. And then as the wife was on a ride with the son, I was standing watching them do the ride 
And then this lady came staggering up next to me. She wasn't talking to me, but she was close enough that I could hear her talking to her husband. And she's like, oh, my God, I'm so sick. I can't go on these rides with them anymore. He's like, yeah, I know me, too. And I'm like, oh, my God. OK, <laughs> totally. I'm not the only one at the park. OK, clearly other parents are going through this same dilemma. Um, so we got through the day. But, like, you know, there's a couple rides. Me and the wife were like, we're not doing this. I'm sorry. We can't because we're going to just vomit. He did a couple rides on his own. And that was fine. But we both felt, like, really super lame and old and decrepit and bad. But I just we just can't do it anymore. My stomach will not tolerate it, dude. So that was... Kind of a bummer, man. Kind of a bummer. I mean, you know, we salvaged the rest of the day. We did some fun stuff. We ate some food once we started feeling a little bit better. And, you know, we walked around. Like, it was still a good day. I mean, we're still going to go to the fair every year. But, like, man, this is totally one of those times when it's like we got to find, like, one of his equivalent age buddies. And, like, they can go on the rides. Because, like, my body is just, like, not, uh, uh, no more. So, anyway, kind of a lame turnout state fair. I would be very curious to see how you're doing. You're, how old are you now? What are you, 30 something? Uh, I am recently 31. 31. So you're still pretty young. I bet you could probably still ride a ride. I think you'd probably be fine. Because this didn't really hit me until, until man, at least 40, 39, 40, something like that. So if you ever plan to go on roller coasters or rides, you better cash in in the next 10 years, dude. Because <laughs> you're not going to enjoy it after that. Yeah, I think I would still be able to do it. Um, I just, like, I don't... I don't know. I just like, I feel like the opportunities of going to do that kind of stuff is really few and far between. And to be frank, I don't even think we have anything like that around here in New Orleans. We actually have, um, if you go pretty far, like northeast of the city, there used to be a Six Flags there, but because of like the South, it basically like the whole theme park kind of like started sinking. So they abandoned it. And the oh, yeah, it's because you know we're like below sea level. I don't know what they were thinking building it there, but I've never been. But the the um, parkour friends that I have here, like several years ago, they went and filmed like a parkour video there, and apparently it's just like this bit. I mean, it's not like totally underwater, but it's like everything there was unstable, so they had to abandon it. And uh, apparently, it's just like a bunch of graffiti all over everything. Like it sounds like a really cool place, but um, I don't even think the land here can like support anything like that. Um, but I think I would be okay on rides right now. It's just, like, I feel like amusement park rides, similarly to how I feel about, like, maybe, like, scary movies or scary video games, where it's, like, I know I can handle them, but I would have to be in a very, very specific mood to go do that. And I never feel like I'm in that mood. So I just, I probably will, like... I don't know, never go to a theme park for the rest of my life. I don't know. Um, but I think <laughs> now I could probably, I mean, I think I'd still handle it, but there, I just don't really have any options for that down here that I know of. Yeah. I mean, if there's not one around, it kind of takes a lot of doing to get to one. And honestly, if I didn't have a 10 year old, I would probably never go to a theme park because in general, they don't seem like a good time to me. And I don't like waiting in lines and I don't like crowds I have one or two friends who, like, maybe might try to drag me if, like, we were all together at the same place at the same time. But that's a pretty rare occurrence. I, I think it's probably pretty easy to live an adult life and, like, never find yourself at a theme park. So you're probably safe either way. <laughs> um, I don't have a whole lot of other stuff to talk about. The only other thing... Um, I thought I was going to talk about going to see Randy Rainbow in concert, but I got my dates wrong, and I'm actually going tomorrow. I thought I was going to go on Tuesday, but I was mistaken. Do you know who Randy Rainbow is? 
I don't know who this is. Oh, okay. Um, well, I'll just mention it real quick. Uh, he is a performer who got real big on YouTube. He What he does is he takes, like, Broadway songs, and then he rewrites the lyrics to make fun of Trump. And so oh he's, God. like, super, super, like, mega-liberal. And he does, like, these little parody videos where he'll, like, you know, like, something will happen in the news, and then he'll take a Broadway song and then just rewrite the whole thing. And then the whole, and then he'll do, like, special effects. Like, he'll he'll edit news clips to make Trump look like he's saying something that he's not saying. And he'll get on these costumes, and he'll, like, film himself, like, multiple times and then, like, merge the, the, the film together so that it looks like there's, like, four or six of him and they're kind of like like he is his own backup dancers and stuff like that it's pretty cool like i really i really dig um his style his choice of songs are good i think he's a great singer great performer and we just need more people like that who are like actively being like i mean kind of like the voice of reason with all this stuff that's going on like somebody like actually calling this administrator i can't talk sorry this administration out on their bullshit uh, but really, really enjoyable. Love the songs. And so he is going on tour, and I'm going to see him tomorrow. Like I said, I thought it was yesterday. Uh, got it wrong, but it's actually tomorrow. So I don't have a report, but I am really excited to go. And I guess you, if you or anybody else listening is not familiar with Randy Rainbow, you can check him out on YouTube. I mean, he's gotten really, really big in the last year or two. Um, he puts out a song like at least once a week or once every two weeks, uh, and they're very, very enjoyable, especially... If you are just up to your eyeballs with the bullshit of the Trump administration, it's like a nice little letting off of steam to see somebody else who is like just of just as sick of the shit as you are and seeing him kind of celebrate it through song. So I love I love his work. I think he's uh, really great, really funny. Uh, and we've interacted just like a couple times on Twitter. So he's like real approachable and friendly and stuff. So very, very excited to see him tomorrow. Uh, that sounds like I have no doubt that whatever he's doing is like. I don't know. He has a lot of talent or whatever, but that just sounds like a nightmare to me. Like I'm kind of <laughs> of the mind of like, like I, uh, like because in, uh, I mean I have a hard time grappling with these kind of things because in my mind like, yes he's doing a service by like calling out you know the administration on their bullshit or whatever, but on the other hand. Like, he's also spending a lot of time and energy just giving the administration the attention that it wants. And so, like, you know, whether good or bad, because, like, you know, like, President Trump, like, if he tweets something and he gets, you know, five million people, quote, retweeting him saying, you're an idiot or you don't know what you're talking about or fuck you all he cares about is the numbers going up. Like he doesn't care about people saying, fuck you. So like any attention is good attention to him. And like, I spent, I see so much like news and shit about him, like already that just makes me want to like kill myself that I wouldn't want to waste my time. Like, like, like engaging in entertainment that is actively involving like his name coming out of an entertainer's mouth. Like I just, I really just don't have the time or the energy or the patience for that. I totally hear you. Like I totally, I think that's valid too. Like I, I absolutely get that take 100%. Um, but at the same time, I mean, I think there's also, I mean, for me personally, like there's a lot of value in just like, knowing that there's at least one other person out there who is like not afraid to say something and is not afraid to be seen as in opposition. Uh, I mean, you know, you know, I don't know how much you're on Twitter these days. I know you're on Twitter a little bit, but you know, I go crazy on Twitter sometimes retweeting shit and engaging people. Like I, I don't go into like the mentions of something, but you know, I spend a lot of time reading 
people who tweet political stuff. And so I, I, I definitely, I, I am of the mindset where I, I want to engage in some of that stuff, but I totally get why like you wouldn't want to, or like, there's plenty of other people who don't want to either. So that's another, that's a valid take as well. But um, I dig his voice. I dig his songs. I dig that he's out there being loud and proud and being out where, where people can see what he's doing. So I'm down for it and I'm looking forward to it. I may even buy a shirt cause I want to support the dude. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I'll report back next time. Well, please do. I look forward to, well, kind of look forward to hearing what you say about it. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, man, I honestly don't have like any other banter. You got anything else you want to toss into the mix? Um, not really. I mean, I've just been so fucking busy lately, like working on photos and, um, going, I mean, that's like, I feel like going to see it. Like, I, I mean, I'm bringing one goddamn game to the show this week. Like I, I don't, I barely have even been playing video games lately, which you'd think would give me so much time to do a lot of other stuff if I'm not even playing video games, but I'm not doing anything at all lately so i really don't have anything else exciting to talk about unfortunately yeah when you get to be a grown-up you end up not doing much but your day is still really busy and filled with bullshit anyway and then at the end of it all you're just like what did i even do like i didn't even do anything and now it's time for bed so yeah that's how like oddly enough that's exactly how i felt at work today like and maybe this is something you know worth talking about briefly is like i got to work today and one of the things that i do at work and i don't know if i've talked about this on the show not that it matters that much but um the department that I work in, I will proctor exams for students at uh, at work if they have like a short term kind of like disability situation, um, you know, like if they break an arm or something like that. Um, so, uh, and that's like it takes up about like ten percent of my time every semester. But like the ten percent of the time it does take up requires like a ton of energy and coordination. And today was one of those days where like I haven't proctored a single exam this entire semester until. Yesterday, I proctored my first one, and, like, I proctored one yesterday, I'm proctoring, I proctored one today, I'm proctoring two tomorrow, I'm proctoring one Friday, and, like, it's, like, it's, 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 like, the, you know, like, when it rains, it pours kind of thing, and, like, today was one of those days where, like, I have a staff meeting every Wednesday at 10.30, and I get to work at 8.30, and I spent, like, my entire morning from, like, 8.30 to 10.30 just, like, sending emails and coordinating <laughs> like these goddamn exams because it, it just requires like a lot of steps because it's like I'm involved the students involved the students case manager is involved obviously the professor is involved because they're the one who has to like kind of sign off and like give us the exams and everything so it's like it, it's just like a process that requires a lot of time and energy and it feels like it's a lot of time and energy for like the smallest amount of payoff because I was like sending all these you know i like read an email and then i like you know do a little bit of paperwork and then i send an email and like repeat that like four times in order to get these exams underway and like to get them scheduled and everything and like before i know it it's like five minutes until my staff meeting and i'm just like i have not done a goddamn thing today like i all i've been doing is like reading and sending emails and i've already wasted you know two hours of my work day and like not even doing my primary job that i'm there to do and then like i finish my staff meeting which is an hour and a half long and then I take an hour to take lunch because of course I take lunch and then I remember that someone from a different department had sent me an email yesterday and so I finally read that email and like it's an email that has like three like kind of in-depth questions that I'm very happy to answer and like they he the person who sent me the email was very right to ask me the questions because I 
have like a high level of knowledge about certain things on campus. And so, but then I had to like read the entire email and I had to like think about the response that I wanted to draft and think about like the three questions that he had asked and then like write down like thorough answers to all of them. And then, you know, like reread the email twice to make sure I didn't like misspell or like miss or, you know, like misrepresent anything in the email. And then like one of the questions that he asked, it had like a practical solution. So then I had to like go into the system that I work in at work and I had to like try to like troubleshoot this thing. And like, it's valuable work, but it's just, like, not, like, the primary job that I do at work. And it's just, like, it's so hard to explain when you're in, like, an office environment like that. Like, sort of, like, all of the weird, like, tertiary stuff that comes into your, like, field that you're sort of, like, answering. And it's, like, and all of the stuff, like, you can't really put a significant, I don't know, like like quality to it because last week I got really pissed off because somebody that I work with basically went to my boss and was like accusing me of not getting my work done fast enough. And my boss, thank goodness who was on my side about this um, because he knows like what all I do every day, you know, kind of came into my office and sat down and he was like, look, I got this email and like, I just want to like talk to you about like what kind of response I can give this person because like, I know that you're doing your job, but like, I just need to have a good way to put that into words. And like, it's just one of those situations where like the person that was accusing me of not getting my work done fast enough only understands like 30% of the work that I do on a daily basis and thinks that that's like the bulk of the work I do. And, you know, I was trying to explain to my boss like, oh, well, I also do this. And then I get an email out of the blue that has three questions in it. And then I have to answer those questions. And then I get a phone call from somebody and I have to think about the question they're asking and then answer them. And it's just like all these little tiny things that like in the moment don't seem to amount to a lot. But then when I reach the end of my workday and I think back on like what all I got done, I'm like, wow, I spent a lot of time doing like really stupid bullshit today, but it was all stuff that I needed to do, but it wasn't like my primary job. And it's just so weird to me. Like when stuff like that happens, we're like, like you just said, like you spend a lot of time, like not doing a lot, but it somehow like takes up so much time. And then the day is over and you're like, wow, what the fuck did I even accomplish today? Oh, a hundred percent, dude. A hundred percent. I mean, if Gina was here on the podcast, she could tell you that that's the story of her life every goddamn day. Like, you know, <laughs> comes home and collapses on the couch and she's like i didn't get nothing done today but i worked my ass off today and i didn't do anything <laughs> like, like literally every day and even for me dude i mean i'm not in an office but it's like you know you get up and i mean I'm, I'm doing homeschool stuff at home but it's like man those days fly by so fast like get up make breakfast by the time breakfast is done i gotta make the dishes uh try to play some game i get like maybe 15 minutes in a game and then i gotta like make lunch because it's like mysteriously lunchtime already <laughs> and then i gotta do the laundry and then by the time i get the laundry i gotta put in the other, other load of laundry in and then oh there's more dishes i gotta do those dishes and then kids gotta go to swimming class so that's gonna take some time to drive swimming class come back get back gotta cook dinner cook dinner do the dishes and then oh it's like oh it's fucking bedtime get the kid in bed and then it's like okay now i get to play a game oh no i don't i got like 94 emails to take care of for game critics and i start going through the game like even after just like weeding out the spam still you know end up with like 60 emails that like need some kind of response go through those and then i'm like oh okay well i'm gonna play some oh no i won't because i got like 12 reviews to edit okay well I'll go edit those real quick edit edit like three of them and that takes like an hour sometimes and i'm like okay get through with that and then oh shit forgot to post reviews today okay well let's do that real quick and then it's like it's already like 1 30 in the morning by that time and then I'm like, oh, okay, well, I can, I got to write a review or I can play some game or uh, I'm just going to go to bed because this day is like long past over. So, and then repeat, wash, rinse, repeat. So yeah, dude, it's just like, 
it, it's like, I don't know if you, was it like this for you, but like when I was a kid, I remember days when like the days seemed like they took forever. I would like, in the summertime when school was out, I would be at home, have literally, no, I would like be laying around like, you know, horizontally on any surface because I had nothing to do, like <laughs> staring at the ceiling, counting little bumps on my textured ceiling because I have nothing to do or I could... I had the time to like replay an RPG, a JRPG, because I had nothing to do, you know, like no, you know, nowhere to go, nothing going on. And now it's like, man, if I catch an hour of game time, I'm like, oh, wow, that was like amazing. I had like the most, you know, like most thrilling game session ever. And that was, you know, I don't know if it's just like timing relative or just like the amount of responsibility we have as grownups or maybe, I mean, I don't know what it is exactly. It's probably a combination of all those things and more, but yeah, like. Oh, way too many days go by where nothing gets done. And it wasn't even fun. Like, it's not even like I fucked around and had fun and the day was over. It was like nothing fun happened. Didn't get my work done. And now it's time to go to bed. Like, way too many of those. Adulthood is a scam. And I don't know why any of us do it. <laughs> I agree. I want my money back. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. I, I got nothing else. I got nothing else. You got anything else? Uh, I don't think so. I think we should talk about some games. I think we should definitely talk about some games. Let's talk about them.